Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Did you know that in the new Molly Crew movie, The Dirt, there's a Pearl Jam sign on the wall? Okay, cool, bye. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett! Fucking camera in the truck. Welcome to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience. And we're here. It's the end of March, and we are uh, springtime, and everything good is, is happening now. Yeah, baseball season and, and you know, springtime stuff. So um, while things are good in the outside world, in the inside world, the podcast world, they'll be good too. So this is going to be a really good episode. I'm really looking forward to talking about this one with you, Matt. Is this gonna is this gonna be crazy or what? It's yeah. I mean, yeah. There's there's a lot of stuff here, uh, including my sheer anger that I was not at the show, but I was at the next night show. But well, do do you well, know you where know. you were that? Do you know where you were that night? You shouldn't be angry about that at all. Do you know where you were? Uh, uh you should. I, I don't know. That was the night of Randy Palooza. Oh wow! Okay, so so I had to trade this show to play in your backyard. I think it's a fair trade. That's a that's a pretty fair trade because you got to see them anyway. It's a damn fair trade. And then you get this on a DVD. It's you know, it's not like this is okay. You go to the show; it's it's a life changing experience. But it's you know, Randy Palooza was a life changing experience. So uh, am I am I wrong? Or, you got your cake. Or do I remember this correctly? Did you post the picture from Randy Palooza? I did. Okay, we're gonna have to repost it then. Uh, yeah, around your birthday, I think I posted it. I think that's yeah. Okay, so you have it. So we'll we'll repost it for this since we've. Uh, talked about it a minute into the podcast yeah um for those for those of you who are assuming uh yes randy palooza was a a backyard festival that i had at my house with about no four or five you know local from the town bands and i don't know like 100 kids running around my backyard jumping in the pool and crap um yeah it was definitely a project that we uh that we did those were fun 
we did stuff like that sometimes yeah uh, it was it was a great time i remember it like it was yesterday yeah it's um there's some photos of it certain places and uh I have some at home, and I look at them sometimes, and I'm just like, "How did how did we get to this point?" There's video of it too. I I have a cassette tape, a VHS. Wow. Oh boy. So, um, I don't know, I don't know if we could ever post anything from that, uh, mainly because I don't have a VCR. Well, you could always take it to Costco, and I think they could uh, uh, transfer it over for you. Do they really? I didn't know that. I think that's a thing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Game changer, That's, right? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Why not? Or just buy a VCR for like five bucks. Well, there's a lot of reasons why not, but uh, I, <laughs> I think maybe we should. You know what? I don't have it on me. If I had it on me, I would say I would do it for this weekend. Since I don't have the VHS tape, it's, it's back at my parents' house. Right. Um, then I don't, I don't know if it's going to make sense or be relevant after uh after this weekend but if it comes up again definitely i'll oh, grab it for next time i'm sure it'll come up again i i don't see why it wouldn't <laughs> it was a very pivotal moment in both of our lives yeah um i can't believe so, you got i can't believe you got away with it to be honest <laughs> got away with a lot of things got away with a lot of things back then but that's all right. <laughs> Feels like so long ago. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, you know where I was supposed to be that night before Randy Palooza became a thing? Uh, I was supposed... At Pearl Jam Night 1? No, I, I, I was not supposed to be at Pearl Jam Night 1. I was supposed to be in another concert that was happening uh, around the, that area. It was uh, the Summer Sanitarium Tour. Wow, I remember those. Yeah. Yeah. Metall I think I oh my god, I think it was jam packed. I think it was Metallica, Lincoln Park, Limp Biscuit, Mudvane, and somebody else. Like Corn or somebody else. Yeah. There were there were five there were five bands Pop, in total. Papa Roach or something. It's one of those guys. Yeah, that that around that uh that type of awfulness but it was it was metallica and lincoln park where i think were the two headliners and then limp biscuit was was something or other in there Limp biscuit was there exactly <laughs> not at a gas station which you know i don't I, I don't know if that was true remember that story no limp biscuit playing a gas station i no. don't know Some, somebody posted some crap that they were playing at a gas station and then it became like this onion satire type thing that, mm. you know then then people would say papa roach is playing at uh, a library or some crap so <laughs> or or which this which was true ja, ja rule played it like a popeyes or something like that oh really yeah it was some popeyes is or it, white castle or it's, something it's probably the only gig he can get after the fire festival debacle so yeah go catch I, I ja rule think, at popeyes yeah i think that was on one of the one of the uh one of the DV, dvds documentaries so today's episode uh which was on the same day as randy palooza and the summer sanitarium tour of 2003 is uh live at the garden the dvd 
that came out uh, shortly after the show. Um, but Live at the Garden, it was the first night of 2003 there. It was the first time that they had been there since 1998. And obviously, you guys know that we're doing uh, the Garden series for the whole year. So this is our third one. And really, we're this is it feels like the last two this and and uh night two 1998 it's getting us some big big time shows to cover here which are always fun yeah definitely i mean you start off with two msgs and then the the third episode you do is the live at the garden dvd which is uh, a staple in their career for a lot of fans so yeah i mean good good all good stuff to cover and you know i, w- I was thinking about this uh, a little bit and I think that this might might have been my first exposure to Pearl Jam as a live band. Okay. You could actually see it, you know. Right, yeah. And I, I don't think I had any boots at the time. Oh, you know what? Maybe that's not true. Would you consider uh, Live on Two Legs? Would you consider that to be exposure or? Yeah, why not? I mean, that was that was a big deal, too, when it came out. Yeah, but um, it's just not a full show. It, it's just snippets from yeah. all different types of shows. This was, it, it this counts. Was I, th- I think it counts. Okay. So you could say that that album and this DVD were the first live things that I, I witnessed out of, out of the band. And, and I, um, man, I had a lot of feelings kind of get thrown back into me, just feelings of just watching this for the first time, probably in about 2005 or 2006, whenever it was, and um, and really just loving every minute of it and enjoying it and trying to understand, um, you know, why they were playing certain songs at the time. And, I, I you know, we'll talk about, you know, certain specifics later, but... Uh, you know, some of some of this was just to me. It felt like they were the biggest band on the planet watching this. Yeah, and it's it's mentioned to where, you know, maybe they weren't as happy as they wanted to be with their previous uh, stays at MSG, and we went over that too. They weren't they weren't the greatest shows their first two, and you know, you got to think New York City is like the cultural center of the world, and. Madison Square Garden is right in the middle. Madison Square Garden is like what people call the center of the world, you know? And I think after another album and after five or so years, um, they're definitely a different band. And I, I don't, I don't want to say they were caught off guard the first time they played MSG, but I think they were way more prepared. And I think they knew the magnitude of, of playing at a place like that, especially for a return trip. But, you know, they're... There are even political views coming out. It's it's not uh, a lyrical metaphor anymore, or or funny dad jokes. It's it's they have a whole different way of going about things now as a band, and the confidence definitely shows uh, when they finally came back to New York City. That's all really well put. Um, I I I mean think it's we... it's it's almost so obvious listening to it. You know, it's it's it, I don't I. Because it wasn't like they were inexperienced before, but they're just no. But it's just different. Yeah, uh, I mean they they played all over the world before 1998, right. and you know uh, they've done some really unique things. But you ain't shit until you play at the garden. That was yeah. one of the, That was literally the first thing that Eddie said uh, when he walked in the garden. Uh, that you know, go back to our archive. 
to hear that show, the first the first garden show. I think we did that back early January. Um, but I mean, we talked about it then. They definitely seemed like they were feeling a little bit of the heat. They weren't having the best show that show i think night two to a lot of people is very special and very memorable Mm -hmm. uh because of breath uh but amongst other things it it was just a very tight and and the the mood of the show was really well i think listening to it on a bootleg was a lot tougher uh to digest and you know to this day i think it's the most difficult episode that we we've covered uh but yeah there there is a different vibe between those shows and this show eddie's eddie's in control of things he he knows and he's con he does have that confidence that he can be on stage and he can be in control of the show and 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 he's going to make sure that this is going as a dvd being covered this is not going to be a show they're going to make a lot of mistakes on. This is going to be entertaining. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. I mean, they, they seem like big boys now, you know? Right. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, you know, you put together... I mean, everybody was doing live DVDs at the time. This yeah. was not. Oh, yeah. This was not anything new. Um, but, you know, they had to... They had to get get with the trend. They had to do something too, you know. Get get some stuff out there from the 2003 tour, and uh, you know, put on some bonus features, which they did. And um, I think this was probably out of all of the shows in 2003, this was the perfect show to pick because you have, you know, right after 9/11, which they'll talk about, uh, you know, in one of the songs, um, and it just. New York had a really, you know, good feel to it at the at that time that people really wanted to be there for New York after after the tragedies. Yeah, and the, and you know the the way he sets it up too is is uh super classy and uh and uh in in you know total Eddie form and uh definitely uh added to an already emotional song especially for me so it was a great moment and and we will we'll get we'll get we will get to it yeah that that's you know no worries of that at all yeah um all right why don't we just dive in just jump into it i i think you know once we get into to the start here i'll kind of go over you know how i how this show overall made me feel uh and how it kind of uh sort of turned me into the Pearl Jam fan that I am today or, you know, started the mold. Yeah. Should uh, I, should I tell them what I, uh, what I told you when I was looking for my copy of the DVD? I have, I have all my DVDs <laughs> in my attic and I'm going through and I couldn't find it. Can't find it. Can't find uh, it. And then, but what I, what did, what did I fa- find? I found my Showbox DVD. Uh, and then I opened it up, and the DVD wasn't in the box. So now I have no idea where either of my <laughs> Pearl Jam Live DVDs are. <laughs> wow! So I gotta re- I gotta buy them again. You know, I have my DVD. I think my mine might might be worse. I couldn't get my Blu-ray Ray player to work. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I was trying everything. I, I I had it plugged into the HDMI cord. I had plugged it. I didn't. It was just not reading the input signal, so I said, "Wait a minute, this show's on YouTube. I have the YouTube app on my Apple TV. Fuck it. Oh, perfect. I'm not spending another minute trying to deal with a fucking Blu-ray player I never use." 
I wonder if they have it on Blu-ray yet. I, I'd buy that. Oh, I'm sh- I'm sure I'm sure they have it somewhere. All I know is that uh, I was looking at the other DVDs that they have. You know, uh, touring band and yeah. Imogen, and Imogen is like sixty-five bucks on Amazon. Yeah, that, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so I that might be that might not be one I I add to my collection anytime soon. Um, all right, kicking off this show. So it starts out with a lot of, um, imagery, uh, with their, their intro, they're coming on stage at the time. Um, and when they come out on stage, uh, they're playing arc in the background. Um, and it doesn't technically count as a song. Uh, it's just sort of their intro song on stage and and while this is all going on uh in the on the dvd they're playing images of new york city and uh, the american flag and times square and just you know the people on the streets and it goes from a black and white and then it kind of slowly dissolves into color and it's really uh, haunting it it is yeah the song sounds different when put to slow motion imagery of new york city Right, it's a great it, build. It's it's cool, really cool. It's it it works as both an intro and a tribute at the same time. Right, and uh, you hear the crowd just roaring. Um, and then right when they get off of uh, of the image of the garden where the graphic comes in that says "Live at the Garden" DVD, you hear Boom and his uh, organ come in, and that organ starts this all up with this. That is a goosebump, and I got goosebumps watching it again. Uh, that is a chilling moment, um, and I, I just I go back to the first time I, I watched it, and when Ed changes the lyric 
from let the games begin to let the show begin, you get this, like, this high energy, like, you know, you're, because you don't expect it, you expect it sitting here now, but when you first hear it, you don't expect him saying that, so when he does that, it just brings this whole new attitude to it, and it's just, I still, to this day, I, um, I get goosebumps when I when I hear that part, and it just prepares me for what was such an awesome, beautiful opener. Uh, I use the word beautiful a lot <laughs> in this, um, which is not a word I, I commonly use, but this is a this is a beautiful moment to start the show. Yeah, and I was one of the guys that didn't really care for the song uh, on the album, or or I didn't really understand the song or you know i just didn't get it at first but the first time you see it live and especially as an opener uh, you never hear the song the same ever again and it's in like my top three choices to open a show it's uh, it just shows you right here it's perfect yeah i i i really i've only seen it once live i really wish that i can get it as an opener i would die if i got it as an opener but i really wish that i could get it just one more time just just to hear it uh, especially what they did with it uh last summer uh one of those shows in europe they did an extended version of it like the intro was just a, a jam and then they went into that dun 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 and it was just it was perfect um but yeah i think this this version is really what got me hooked on the song and got me to love the song it's just you know it, it felt like such a you know eerie yet emotional way to open a show especially you don't most most bands uh you know give an example all the time uh the foo fighters what would the foo fighters open up their show with at this time like uh you know monkey wrench or something like that or you know um what's i'm trying to think of that one song um done done on to the next one what is that what is that song oh, what is that song well, called? One, by one, one by one yeah yeah, yeah they come out with like, like you know like monkey wrench and and um what's the other one uh, uh learn to fly like those would be like set yeah. closers but you know they're coming out there with like their their new super mega hit music video exactly head, or just something rocker, like you know energetic to start with yeah um you know, I think Chili Peppers, that whole By The Way tour, which was 2003, uh, I believe that show that we went to was two months before this one. So a lot of really good garden shows going on at mm -hmm. this time. Um, not just Billy Joel, folks. Uh, <laughs> and I think they opened that show with By The Way, yeah, which they, they were doing the whole tour. Yeah, they used to do that a lot. Uh, they used to do, I think it was like By The Way, Can't Stop would be like the openers or whatever, which, yeah. which is fine. Uh, um, now they always close with by the way which i think is way better yeah i that's uh, yeah i mean it's I also it's that. also uh you know an old song already so it fits as a closer right but i guess what i'm trying to get as like your energetic song that's like your new song you're promoting an album like I guess for the time, I probably would have thought that Save You would have been their opener the whole entire uh, 2003 tour, but they don't work like that. They just don't. They don't no. work like other bands do. I mean, that's it's, why... it's not like that's completely out of the question, but oh. it, it's not that, you know, 
they show you that's not how you have to open up a show. It's it's obviously not the most effective thing. And they do it their way. That's and that's what makes them like the best live band. It's because their ways it works. I mean, look, look at it. It's fantastic. No one complains about that. I think after after this, this is a real pivotal moment. Like after seeing this, and maybe it took like two or three times watching to really let it sink in. Uh, and this is early on. This isn't now. But I think after seeing this, just this version of this song, I said to myself, that's it. The next time they are going on tour, I'm getting tickets immediately. And I have to go see them. And not just that, but I know I'm going to love them live. Mm-hmm. So I have, to, I have to be like one of these people in the crowd. I, ha- I have to go and be a follower. Because I'm gonna get some something like this every night. <laughs> <laughs> no, Which, yeah, there's there's the fear of missing out. Right, yeah, that's you know I I've never missed uh, since since I went to my first show I've never missed an MSG show and uh, even if there were shows that that didn't end up being that great um, I've still I've still gone to all of them and uh, even if I had to pay a little bit extra for a ticket uh, but. Yeah, it's just it's a special special moment. Um, my heartstrings are tugged. That that's I think that's all I, I can say about that. You know, after gushing over it for so long, um, <laughs> that we we can move on to last exit now. Um, I think this is really where I got to know last exit as a song uh, instead of Vitalogy because at the time I was really into doing more mixed stuff and like putting together, you know, uh, a mixed CD of like 16 different Pearl Jam songs and whatever I can fit on there. And a lot of it would be, uh, singles and stuff at the time. But, um, and I wouldn't be listening to Vitalogy or, or anything but tenor verses or yield. So, um, this is really where I got to learn last eggs and that drum beat, I feel like whenever you need a drum beat to get into your head, it's this version for me. I sometimes I always get that in my head when I need something to to think about music wise. Yeah, I agree. For me, it's the uh, <clears throat> it's the little uh, what would be the verse? The yeah, like like the especially after it comes out of the the chorus, it goes to that that cut time type type drum part. And right. uh, it's uh, it gets stuck in your head for sure. That's it. it it's got a contrast to the to the chorus, so it makes it stand out more. And it it sounds like two different songs, but it works perfectly. I just I, I did you think did you think it was a little fast here or a little not fast, but maybe a little rushed? Um, I don't think I, rushed. I, I, I thought I the think energy was... was good. I thought the energy was good, but I thought that Matt was close to rushing. It could have just been excitement. I'm it sure it was a lot of excitement. Yeah. That I, I feel like they were using a lot of momentum off of, uh, uh, of love boat captain and, and sort yeah. of, and that momentum is definitely carried in to save you. Uh, but I didn't get a, I, I've never gotten a sense that this version was rushed at all. I, I've, I've always thought that this is a, you know, a very standard, great version of this song. 
yeah, I just think of how the how the song is is uh, put together and it's choppy and then it's got the the big chorus and and there are points where if, if you start to rush it a little bit it's going to almost change the song completely or or get sloppy if the guitars are a little bit off from the drums it's going to throw the whole thing out of whack and that didn't happen here but I felt like it was tiptoeing closer and closer uh to to that area but uh, you know it they, they didn't go off the off the tracks or anything it was just uh, no no it was very energetic yeah it's i'm always going to remember this version just because it's you know i think the early the early stuff in particular i i i really have vivid memories of watching uh it's you know and some of the encore too the ben harper stuff obviously but um some of the stuff in the middle you sort of you remember some of it but then you know you kind of forget that they played certain things but we'll kind of get into that last exit is always one that easy just remember it was the second song all the time uh and then that transitions into save you uh this is exactly where i like save you and um this show has a a ton of riot act songs and um it's justifiably so they're promoting the album still they're gonna want to release a dvd with a lot of riot act songs because uh you know that could potentially sell more albums or get people into if people like the new songs they're going to want to see them live even more so if somebody stumbles across this that hasn't seen pearl jam live you know since uh i don't know the no code or yield days then they're going to watch and they're going to be like oh man that song save you and and green disease and a couple of these other new songs are actually really good I'm going to go see them the next time they tour. Yeah, not only that, but this is this is like the first of 10 of my favorite transitions into another song ever. When Save You hits after Last Exit, there's no other song that would have worked as well uh, in this spot other than Save You. It's it it hits perfect. It's the perfect spot for it. The tempo's dead on. And the transition out of last exit is spot on. I yeah, I, I agree. It's just every everything that that happens in this early stage of this show is just um, it is it is spot on. Um, Stone is killing it on the solo. It looks yep. awesome. That that chilling bass line when they cut to Jeff. Yeah, uh, yeah. right after and that that doom and everybody's. That was a nice little bridge area too. They yeah they really. It, they didn't drag it out, but they let it simmer for a little bit. There, it was right. It was good. It was a good, uh, a good build. You know, uh, uh, song number three, and you're already letting the crowd just build up to the to the rafters. That's a yep. good sign. Yep, absolutely. And uh, you know, "Save You" is such a an awesome live song to hear, and they they killed it on this one. Um, and it brings us to "Green Disease," and and I want to play "Green Disease." because yes please i i don't know what it is about this version but i've always had this version just it, it has made such an impact on me in, in ways that I, I i don't know how to describe so let's play it because this is out of a, a show that we're going to play about 13 songs or 12 songs from this show um you might not think green disease would be one of the ones to play but but man i think we gotta Definitely. All right, let's do it. I'm on and I go. I never 
really the reason why I like this version so much is because there was a long period of time where I really wasn't listening to Riot Act, but I would get this, I would get the chorus of this stuck in my head. I would get the, well, I guess there's nothing wrong with what Would you, you say? say? Yeah, we're and dead on. Same wavelengths here for sure. I would get that stuck in my head so often, and then yeah. after a while, like to the point where I, I knew it was Pearl Jam, but I wasn't even thinking about it. And I think I would go and I would listen to, I would try to go track by track on all the albums, and I kept thinking it was an avocado song, just because it was a new song and I wasn't familiar as familiar with it. So, obviously I don't remember that it was coming from the DVD. Maybe it was an avocado, maybe it was something else. Uh, but um, once I found it, because you can't, the chorus kind of comes in way later. They two, they do two verses, then the mm -hmm. chorus. So yep. once you find it, and you can't like tell by the beginning that that's what the chorus is going to end up being. Exactly. Uh, it was just, it felt so, ah, it just finally, I finally found it, you know? It felt like it took so long to, to discover this song when, when it was stuck in my head the whole entire time. It's, it's just an amazing feeling. Yeah, I, I always love this song for that exact reason, because, I mean, you look back on the set already, and, you know, Love Boat Captain brings you in, and Last Exit ends on the, you know, that, that kind of roar he gives, and Save You is just balls to the wall all throughout the end, and Green Disease has this really fun, and I don't know if you'd say happy, but it's it's definitely poppy and super catchy chorus, and it's it's a good way to break it up there. It's like, yeah, you could dance a little bit to the chorus. It's, sure. It's fun, and it's it's definitely got that variety here. Like, you know, if they were to do something like I don't know, like uh, like Animal in the Spot or something, it's just like these kind of aggressive songs that are just pushing, pushing, pushing. Green Disease works so much better because it's poppy, and you could you could sing, and you're screaming along with the chorus because it's got that very catchy chorus. So it's a, it's it's very strategically placed in my mind to just break that up a little bit and be like hey we're here to have we're here to have fun we're fun guys you know right i didn't even think about that aspect um my my you know well that, my, that's my first thought the course of it so much like what you were saying was because i you know i don't necessarily love pop music or pop punk i don't like stuff like that but man if you if you got a song where you have this really poppy fun chorus I'm all in, and that's what Green Disease has. It just, yeah, it, it, it gets it gets you caught up, and it, it again, I didn't even know what the song was. I didn't even know what it was called, <laughs> right? And I went searching for it forever. And, well, especially uh, being on Riot Act, it's such a sleeper. It, you, you don't, right. you don't, you don't really. What is it? The tenth track? Yeah, you don't. Something crazy like that? Uh, yeah, I, you just don't uh, remember it from that album, I guess, because it's like. Well, what's surrounding that track? Nothing like Green Disease. <laughs> so, uh, and help, he, help, and yeah, get and right. Something even the, like even that. the name. When you think of the name Green Disease, you're like, uh, that can't be good. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, ew, green, green is disgust. It's that. Yeah. But I, I love, you know, that I think about it more, and I say, you know, well, you know, a big show like this probably should have had Corduroy. And it didn't, and I'm sort of thinking, well, Corduroy could have gone after Save You if they really wanted to put it here, but it really, Corduroy, I hate to say it, but Corduroy really had no place on the show. 
Now, Corduroy, the ending there, the beginning of Corduroy would have worked well after um, after Save You for sure. But when it gets to the end in the jam, that, that's not that's not the the mood right now. Right, right. I, I think they they took it to a different level. I think the these three songs in a row, Save You, Green Disease, In My Tree, have so many different emotions going on, and it blended yeah. so well together. And now, let I think in, it's time to get into In My Tree uh, because there's a lot to talk about here. Let's just play it. Let's play the chorus of it. Um, oh boy, this is a good one. Enjoy it. I don't see So obviously, if you've heard "In My Tree" on the album, uh, you notice, recognize that it, it it is different in this version. Um, you know, they they extended it a lot. Uh, that whole chorus was extended. Kind of, they took an extra beat to get into each line, um, and the whole vibe of it is it feels really warm it feels really good and it, it warm and eerie at the same time which is 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 a weird little sensation and uh i don't know if watching this at first i really grasped how good it is or grasped how different it was but um i really really love this change and, and we did talk about it you didn't like this when they did it at Hamdal when we covered that a couple episodes i think I didn't. I didn't think you liked that 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 much. Am I right about that? Uh, I don't think it was performed nearly as well as okay. it was here. Yeah, I mean this this. I'll get into why why this isn't my preferred way, but the performance of this is light years ahead. So yeah, yeah, this was performed like amazing, but the the other time they did it was was not as good. Yeah, it's just. It's indescribable. It's something, you know, I hope you listen to it and really got to to digest it because you know, they're not going to they're not going to sit here in 2019 and play this version again. This is something stuck in 2003. I maybe they did it a little bit into 2006. I'm not entirely sure, but it gives Boom a chance to shine with the organ solo, kind of late in the song a little bit. Um, the construction of the song is just, it feels it feels so good with the warmth of the crowd there, too. And the crowd is, is just almost like they know what's going on. Mm-hmm. You're like they to... kind of understand that they're doing a different version of the song. Exactly, it, yeah. It yeah. feels like they've heard it a million times before, and it doesn't matter. 
Yeah, you're starting to touch on my reasons for why I like this song and why I mentioned to our buddy Dave there on our Facebook page. I, you know, he said, you know, you guys are saying, you know, best, you know, version of the song minus, of course, some Jack Iron performances, but that's for the regular version, of course. Uh, and my whole thought process on this was it's it's the best version of the song for the night. And my reasoning behind that is, first and foremost, I'm a bass player. I need that bass intro, you know? I'm just going to be selfish and say that. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I'm not really crazy about how they change the rhythm on the chorus. It's To me, that's not in my tree. Uh, I need in my tree to be a little bit bigger. But you were saying how the crowd is reacting. They're playing to the crowd. That is dead on. And that's why playing it this way or taking the chance on it or taking the chance on the crowd was the best thing they could have done for this show because they're an emotional crowd and uh, this version is bringing some emotion to the song or bringing emotion out of the crowd or bringing emotion out of the out of the players and it changes it up just a little bit to where yeah it makes it feel different and unique for the night and the crowd definitely appreciates that and gets it and if it was any other crowd and they had done it this way and it didn't go over well, you know, it, it, we could be sitting here saying, like, what the hell were they doing? Like, what were they thinking playing something right, or like that? Night, night, you, you guys experimented a little bit and it got a little out of hand. It got a but, little, it got away from you a little bit, but this didn't. Right. This was, this was emotionally charged. It and felt like it was meant to happen this it, way, you know? It, like, exactly, exactly. Now, I, I don't think I would want to go to like a Wrigley or a Fenway and see it this way. I think this oh, was I, I think this was special to the night and I think it was special to the crowd and I think it was the right crowd and they reacted the right way and uh that's why I like it for this show only. And especially they're releasing this on a DVD so everybody gets to hear this version. This is something I posted on Facebook not long ago. I posted this version and immediately the the time that I posted it was like 4:30. This is that's not a good time to get a lot of traction on Facebook, but yet immediately in the first hour we had like 10, 11, 12 likes whatever it was. So people people really are into this version and they remember it for being so unique and being so powerful. I think the lighting in this too, give a lot of credit to that lighting crew because that dark kind of orangey uh, tinted feel, man, that, that it set the scene. Yeah. It set the scene for something special. Um, and, that's like that that three song stretch right there. It's there so many emotions going on. Save you, you're jumping up and down. Uh, Green disease, you're singing along, and in my tree, you're like entranced. So, how do you follow that up? Um, you follow it up with with the, the filler. I look. I don't hate crop duster, but <laughs> it it. For, for this part, I think you needed to cool down a little bit and you needed a song that kind of didn't elicit that much emotion but can be played really well and can sound really good. Um, and I think that you can't really pick a song better than Crop Duster for that. Yeah, it's 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 two-sided for sure because I, I can agree with you because I do like the song, but there are some 
set list where it'll be tossed in and it's like perfect filler. Great. Awesome. Right. Or there could be some where even as somebody that likes the song, you could say, eh, that didn't really work there. That that was that was too much of a break or it was it was an awkward spot or there was no reaction to it or the band had no emotion behind it. I love this fucking version and I love the placement. This this gets a this is thumbs up for me. Loved it. Yeah, I think we've covered this a couple of times. I think most versions of the song I I've actually really enjoyed live. I enjoy mm. this as a live track more than I like it as an album track. Uh, agree. A big time agree. Yep. Yeah. Especially I think early the, the way that it was placed in the album, you have such a, a strong song in love boat captain and it kind of goes into this and then ghost and then you go into another really emotional song in I Am Mine, and you kind of forget that Crop Duster and Ghost even exist after a while. Um, there were B-sides placed on an A-side. And that was unfortunate, because Green Disease could have gone somewhere in there. Uh, Half Full mm-hmm. Full's really a later album song anyway, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's where you could have put Down on the album. Oh, don't tease me with that. <laughs> don't, don't tease me with, do we uh, do with a, that a re- thought. A rearrangement of Riot Act here? <laughs> you don't even have to rearrange it. Just, just put it in. Whatever. Um, I just want to point out just some visuals of this. Uh, Eddie has taken up his dress-up jacket. And what I mean by that um, is that his jacket is three sizes too big for him. So it looks like he's, he's a kid playing dress-up. Yeah, and then... <laughs> And then, then he takes his jacket off, and he looks like he looks like a guy that's about he's to straight go spend, out of American Eagle. He looks like he's about to go spend uh, spend the afternoon. Oh, you know, we we might go to Home Depot. I don't know if we'll have enough time. We might not have <laughs> enough time. He's got like a he's wearing a polo that's like tucked in. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, he's it. got the little T shirt under his polo that's kind of yeah, it's kind of sticking out. It's kind of sticking too. out. Yeah, he's, he's like wearing... you know, gonna go do some gonna go to Walmart. You know, gotta get gotta get the kids, gotta get the cereal, you know? Gotta This this is not the best Eddie look. You know, I I really like it. I gotta be honest. Do you? He looks he looks comfortable. Like like I think it's a preppy Springsteen. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) This is where he he had to he he's growing his hair back from the Mohawk days. Right, right, yeah. I wonder Um, if that was true that when he had the mohawk, I, I heard someone say it was like a rumor that they asked him why he shaved the mohawk after recording and, and grew his hair out. And he said because the mosquitoes on his scalp were so bad that he kept getting mosquito bites on his bald head. So he's like, I got, he's like, I got to shave the mohawk off and grow all my hair back because it was driving him crazy. I think that's a myth, but I, I, if it's true, that's really funny. Whether it's myth or, or truth, that is the most Eddie answer I've ever heard in my yeah, life. Well, and it's also totally relatable. Like, that probably oh, yeah. really hurts. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I've, always, I've always had that story in the back of my head. I've never found out if it was true or not. We're going to have to have somebody. Uh, so, somebody's going to have to confirm that. A, a Baba or two. Yeah, like ba- one yeah, of the Babas. Yeah, Baba John or, uh, or uh, Papa Steve. They might, they might be able to confirm. <laughs> See what Steve got on this. Um, <laughs> uh, also in in fashion news, uh, Mike takes off kind of a um, I don't know. It's like a baseball jacket that he's wearing at the start, and he is wearing like a cut off uh, social D t shirt. Boom's wearing a long sleeve t shirt. It's a Ramon shirt. 
And I, I thought that was weird that he wore a long sleeve T-shirt the whole entire time. Yes, yeah. and you know Stone is wearing a Stone T-shirt. Just it's red. Absolutely with white shorts. Absolutely no writing, no brand, nothing. Which nope. is my which is my style too, man. I'm a I'm, I'm a Stone style guy. Just give me a give me a T-shirt, man. I'm good to go. Well, he wasn't wearing a traffic cone hat. <laughs> so, um, and Jeff is very very Jeff. Very black Jeff. T-shirt. Yeah jeans just jeff good to go doesn't exactly doesn't change much uh eddie says here pardon my manners he didn't know that in you know 10 years later he would uh he would write a song called mind your manners um he says forgot to say hello good evening says hello to the back he says you don't need manners in new york how the fuck you doing um so we have a bit of a job to do tonight, and we're glad you're here, and he thanks everybody and says it's nice to see you. Uh, and then we head into a killer version of Evenflow. Um, I love Crop Duster into a talk break and then smacking him with Evenflow. It felt real good. It this did, was, yeah. And I think I've mentioned in the past where I'm like, oh, you you talked at the wrong point, and then you do Evenflow or whatever they did after, and it's like, oh, what a momentum killer. This was the opposite because the momentum never died the the crowd is is on board every step of the way so this worked yeah i i I agree i think maybe at the time uh when the dvd came out and i was first starting to watch it i was thinking like even flow this early are are you blowing your load a little bit yeah you know and i didn't understand that that that's just what even flow was even flow was a mid-set you know uh Keep every keep everything going. Get every everybody into a mic solo, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in in the middle there. But I'm like, man, don't you don't you want to see even flow as a closer? Don't you want to see it towards the end of the set? And it was sort of my my learning experience and 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 getting to know their quirks and getting to understand that you know you're if you're going to a show you're getting even flow eighth song in and not sixteenth or seventeenth. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've always loved this version. You, you know, I think this is up for discussion after watching this version of Even Flow. I really, really hate that, you know, music aficionados and, and you know, writers that come up with baseless, uh, greatest guitarist of all time lists. Yeah. They do not add McCready at all. They don't even give him a sniff. And I don't think that's fair. No. No, it's and a, I'm trying not I try not to have a bias with it because obviously, well, it's not biased. I mean, it's not even opinion. I mean, he's up there. <laughs> it's, it's he's written some of the most famous, most memorable songs of all time. And by the way, he's also one of the greatest guitar players. It's not even like an opinion, dude. He's one of the greatest guitar players. It's all it is. Maybe, maybe do people do people think like his solos are are too similar, like are even flow and alive too similar from each other. They're not, but I could see how somebody that doesn't really care for them could think that you have to be able to write it, you know, and he, and he can, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not even about your solos. It's about your songwriting. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't agree with it. This wasn't, I even flow. wasn't even his best solo of the night. That's the thing. Mm. It's not until later that he, he gets his, his best work in there. So, um, by the way, I, I, McCready's haircut, nah. This, oh, is, just this the, is not 
a good McCready cut on the show. Well, yeah, he's just a shaved head. He's like, all right, I, I got to start losing weight here and looking yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we get a cover uh, for the first time in the show after Even Flow. It's Gimme Some Truth, John Lennon. Cool appearance from a song that doesn't really get action anymore. Um, and I think they what, what they do to this is they kind of the crowd starts out and they're kind of like i don't know if they're not into it at first but it's just kind of it's just there and they turn it once they get into that chorus they turn it into an arena rock song and i really like that about this version yeah i definitely had reservations going into it i'm like okay you know is this going to be a filler but no it was entertaining enough for me uh and that's kind of all i ask for it if Hold my attention if it's not, you know, uh, an original or or even like a super, super popular cover or even just it being a cover in the middle of the first set. If it's interesting, that's that's all I care about. And it definitely was. Yeah. Ed's Ed's passion during the end of it where he's he's screaming. He's getting that, you know, ah, give me some truth like that whole part. That was that's a really fun part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's. Not one of the spots of the show that I was really into back then, but now I can see it. And, and uh, another, I thought it was a good transition, actually. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. This was another yeah. one. This whole now section. Now that I'm remembering, we're going to get into another section here that's going to feel very, it's going to feel like it doesn't belong or it's too modest, but, um, We'll talk, we'll talk about that. So after Give Me Some Truth, Ed says, as a rep as a rep of the group, it was the first time they'd been to New York City after the big day. Uh, obviously not 11. Uh, they were in Seattle, and they felt, and they felt it there. Uh, they went through Denmark, and they know how many people it affected. And they said they've all been thinking about them, and they've been handed, handled themselves so great, meaning New York City people, and said the next song is about personal safety, being secure, and feeling free. The ocean has full cause, everyone's crying. The full moon is looking for friends at high tide. The sorrow grows bigger when the sorrows deny. Say 
there's a uh, there's something about this version that feels so it feels uplifting and it feels special it feels right for the moment it feels right for the venue um and it's just got a lot of good emotions in it um it's probably the best best live version of the song i could think of i my only problem with this is i i i really don't know if i was feeling the crowd reaction from it though do you think it's still too new or too under the radio radar for for a lot of fans i, I just wish you know the, i the don't per, the performance is great i mean uh, and and there's no wrong spot for this song for me as you know because i love it but and especially leading leading up to it with the very sentimental and emotional talking point that everyone there can understand and appreciate and probably appreciated him talking about and and uh you know giving everyone credit for the way you know new york city rallied and came back but i just wish there was more from the crowd for the, for this moment well I, I don't think this this is really a song that you scr- you know scream at the top of your lungs no 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 and... I'm, not, I'm not talking about during the song i'm talking even when he says the name of the song it's kind of like ooh. yeah you know what um I mean? well i think i guess at this point if you're you know super fan at show and you've been following them for the last i don't know couple days or weeks whatever uh you probably heard this a couple times because it was a single off off the album so maybe you're just sort of like okay i expected this and then now on you know let's get through it on to the next and you're not really you're not seeing it as the the dedication you're not seeing it through that i can see that but it's sort of a song that you just you you feel instead of react to Right, right. Um, and I think the crowd was doing that. Um, and even, you know, the, the Pearl Jam social media account posted this version last week. So this is this rings uh, with a lot of people. A lot of people really just love this version. Um, yeah, no, the version was great. No, I'm not saying that. I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It felt like... You were wondering you, if the crowd was 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 really was, digging on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think I just I just think of that right off the bat because it's it's one of my all time favorites to hear live. So right, I guess I'm I, like I'm like, wait, why aren't you standing up right now, sir? Well, in 2003, <laughs> if 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 they say the next song is is I am mine, then you're gonna, you know it's a new song and and like i said it's not going to get the best reaction if they're playing it every night on tour but if they do that in 2019 you're you're going to get a better reaction because it means a lot more then i th- i think maybe maybe yeah, in that, hindsight that, this song means more than what it did that night yeah de- definitely definitely that's what i meant by saying you know it's it's new it's still new Sure, and that's okay. what I—that's what I chalked it up to. Definitely not the performance. The perform—the performance is great. Um, we go into from I am mine into low light, and this is the deceptively rare low light. And if you're <laughs> thinking at the time, and you're not like a, a concert goer at the time, and you're watching the DVD and you hear low light, you're kind of like, all right, well, you know, this is kind of their, you know, cool, cool down mid set, whatever, and and I guess that that's what they do in their their cool down mid set and then you know my third show i got it in the same spot 
And I sort of said, okay, well, that that's pretty much what they do with this. Okay, that that's cool. I've seen it. And it didn't, the love for the song didn't grow on me until much later, until I saw the song in Buffalo. Uh, that's a show we'll have to do some point. Uh, but this was the third time they ever played it. And we've mentioned this a bunch of times, some of those Yield songs... They did not get the love in 1998 that that they should have it, and this is obviously turned into, you know, this is this is a common song, mm-hmm. you know, if there ever was one. Now uh, you're gonna you go to two shows in a row, you're gonna get this song somewhere. Um, but maybe people that are seeing the DVD are kind of, you know, they have this expectation that okay, well, low light is is part of their repertoire. Yeah, uh, I was worried you were going to say why I thought this one was rare. Because I, uh, I have another reason why it's rare. Because it's not very good. Because it is horrible. Yeah. They, <laughs> this version is terrible. I, I'm going to chalk that up to this is the third time they've ever played it. You said that I there's mean, a, there's a lot of changes in this song. Yeah, Matt it's is difficult. Matt, Matt messes up the count right in the beginning. And you could tell he is not confident moving forward yeah. in, in the rest of the song. And Jeff's backup vocals are atrocious. I don't know if he can't hear himself, but he is off the whole song. Sometimes uh, Jeff's backup vocals really don't sound good on this. No, he's not the best singer. No. I, I appreciate them for what they are, and I yeah, appreciate no, no, Jeff. Exa- but exactly, it's... because he could he could at least hit the notes. Like He, he might not have the best timbre, timber. I think you could say it both ways. Um, yeah. He's not tone deaf. Just because no. you don't, you, just because you don't have the the best voice doesn't mean you know you're you're tone deaf because he's not. He's absolutely it, not. But man, this is this is so this is off on on every count. I'm I'm giving them you know if it wasn't for the DVD aspect of this, I'm giving them a pass because this is you know somebody that 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 frequents a lot of shows at the time is probably like, wow, I, I just checked off one. I, I might never get this again. I'm sure they have it like 16 times now, but um, you know, this is really turned into at some point they said, how do we do it to make it click? I, that That's one of the questions. If, yeah, if we ever got, we've talked about that many times. Yeah. If we ever got in touch with the band and wanted to ask them questions about what they did live, I think low light would be a huge, uh, a huge question for me and a huge point of interest. So yeah, 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 absolutely. Sticking sticking with it after all these years paid major dividends. We will say that because it's a fantastic live song now. We've seen band performances transition into them never wanting to play a song again. So and this this was. This was really bad, so I'm glad they stuck it out <laughs> because <sighs> now it's now it's one of the the best ones that they do. It, that sounds like a total. I know this is a Jeff song, so maybe I'm thinking at first Eddie, because it's a Jeff song. Maybe Eddie doesn't want to do it, and maybe Eddie doesn't think about it in the same way because he doesn't do those vocal runs in in this show that he does now. Eddie has a lot of fun with it now. Yeah, so, oh yeah. You know, maybe back then it was not one of his favorites. Maybe he's like, "Ah, oh, you know, this it's a good album song, but I don't know if this, you know, Jeff-centric song is going to work live." 
And then now Eddie does his own thing with it, and it's like I said, it's it's just one of the best songs they do. Right, right. So, yeah, it, something so fuck, had so to fuck you, Eddie. Give Jeff some credit. <laughs> can we get like? Can we get them to think about this the same way they think about? Uh, I don't know, like get them to think about WMA the same way. Like, yeah, right. And of course, that, playing that more. That's just speculating too. I mean, maybe Eddie really did like this song. Maybe he just, maybe he was nervous on how to perform sure. it himself, you know? Sure. Because as, as we've said, you have heard an evolution of this and he had to get there somehow. So, well, you, you mentioned Matt, Matt didn't write the song. This, this was a Jack song. So what? this could have been a Matt thing. What do you mean? That, that Matt was having trouble with his timing on the song. It was only one time, but that's all you need. If, if you're playing at Madison Square Garden and you mess up a part of the song, I don't care who you are. You got to shake that off. And yeah. It's, it, I'm sure the, the pressure then could be tough because now you're really thinking about it going forward and you can't go back and fix it. You have to just move forward and not do it again. So Sure. Yeah, it's uh, tough. Uh, we this is part of a three song yield section right here, and it's going into faithful. Um, it's 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 a, it's like I said, it's it's a modest section, and I think I wouldn't really expect it in today's lineup, especially all these songs back to back to back to back. Uh, I wouldn't expect something to ha- that like that to happen today, but but for this show and for this DVD and. And it feels like you have to build to the bigger moments and have some kind of moments that are a little toned down because it makes the bigger moments of the show seem way more special. If you had bigger songs in this section, then maybe the stuff that comes later feels not as as significant. Does that make sense? It does. It does, yeah. I, I get what you're saying, because like this is this version of Faithful is not it's not anything special. Uh, this is not my favorite version of the song. It, it kind of is what it is. It doesn't, you know. Uh, it it was it was fine. I, I really don't have a complaint about it. But I, I wasn't coming out of this DVD saying, you know, let's let's talk about Faithful the whole show. Yeah, I mean, my issue is. Is with the low light faithful wish list is that uh, low light they bunted that one uh, faithful I still don't really care for and and wish list is take it or leave it even though faithful and wish list were performed very well that grouping is it's not exciting for me because of those reasons one low light was not good faithful I don't care for and wish list is take it or leave it so uh, yeah I hate to say I glossed over this part but. It's, it was e- it was easy to gloss over. It was easy. I I actually listened to this part uh, twice. Uh, the low light faithful wishlist because I I, actually, I I wanted to make sure low light was as bad as I thought it was the first listen. <laughs> after not having watched this DVD for you know it's it's been at least ten years since I've watched it. I think wishlist is a pretty good moment of the show. Um, you know. The 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 um the disco ball and stuff like that. Sure, yeah. it's great for the crowd. That's, and I'm fine with that. Uh, listen, I have no problem with that at all. But again, I that's the tough thing about doing this is you know we weren't there, right? Know? We right. might be saying if we were there, we might be saying you know wish list that was the best part of the night and it's my favorite song now. But we can't say that unfortunately. <sighs> you know? But 
It's that's an, that's a that's a possibility. Um, it's you know Eddie, Eddie does this whole thing in wish list. He does uh, all all New Yorkers hands up raised uh, towards the fucking sky. Something something along those lines. I think every time they've done wish list in New York, he he's changed the lyrics to that. <laughs> um, and then they get into the tag and they kind of do their little thing and and Ed says be a positivist and fuck the pessimists. I don't know what a positivist is, but just be a positivist. All right, then. Unless I'm getting a word wrong. <laughs> it, it, it dragged a little for me. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I really do love uh, the Buzzcock tag uh, that mm. happened here. And because I gave it to you guys a couple weeks ago uh, when we did the Homdel show, I said that we were going to have way too much stuff to cover on this show. Uh, we're not going to play it because... There's just a lot of stuff to get through, and there's a lot for Matt to edit. So, uh, yeah, the why can't I touch a tag was was really really good, um, and it's 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 a memorable part of the show. So, um, and the disco ball, and the disco ball, the famous disco ball. Uh, we go from Wishlist, one of their slower songs, to their fastest song, uh, Lucan, and he says in the beginning, "This one's another sing along." Um, <laughs> my favorite part of this is just Stone and Mike's reaction to one another. Yeah, just Stone Stone gave gave him this face like they ran up ran up to each other, kind of back to back, and Stone gave him this like you know bulging eye look or something like that. I saw that and I thought he was saying something like I was trying to read his his lips, but he I think he was just making like 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 chewing motions with his mouth or something. I, yeah, I couldn't figure it out. I don't think he was saying anything. He was just making funny faces. Yeah. Stone being stone. Yeah. It's great. Um, but you know, not much to say about Luke and they, they got most of the words, right. I think. Uh, so, um, but what I do love, man, this immediate transition in the grievance. Oh, perfect. Oh perfect. boy. It's perfect. Oh, is that good? You were saying before that last exit in the Savior transition is, is good. This 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 was my favorite transition of the night by yeah, far. This, this one was good. Um, and usually, I think last week we talked about the Lucan into Not For You transition, mm-hmm. the Seamless, uh, which which I love. Um, I think it's one of the best that they do. But man, this, this that drum that drum intro after Lucan just it has so much power. It is it's getting out of the slower part of the set and saying we're back into business here we're we're cooking with a lot of gas get ready we have we have some more shit for you today yeah and it's it's not um it's not surrounded with with um with the insignificance and break or fall it stands alone here which is exactly what we've been wanting for the past like three weeks because that's what we've been getting and once you see it as a standalone here from binaural it's like this is what you want this is you don't need those other songs around it like they've been grouping in the shows that we've been doing right and it makes it stand out so much more where it sometimes could get lost like like um um i'm sorry uh insignificance and breaker fall do too you have to separate those yeah i kind of i kind of agree with that about all the binaural tracks but that um, well that's maybe true that's too. why they don't really do a lot of them live because they don't all work together in the same landscape but um grievance seems to be the one that has existed the most 
after you know after the album drops and and you get later on into to shows what it's been 19 years since the album's been out yes grievance has probably survived that that fall the most right and when you're in a set like this and it's not suffocated by heavier hitter songs on the album it could shine hell if it weren't for ben harper i'd I'd play it now (laughs) you know if it weren't for ben harper and you know about nine songs in the encore we'd be playing there were some moments here where i said to myself man i would love it if ben harper did a halloween show and covered all pearl jam songs but not like in a ben harper way like a full out pearl jam way yeah man or like he does a show where pearl jam is the band but no eddie and ben harper's singing it i want to hear him do every pearl jam song because every time he sings on one it's like yeah that was awesome he brings this melodical rhythm it just it feels so different i I would love to hear what that sounds like stuff like yeah corduroy live and and forget it yeah yeah maybe we might have to get ben harper on the show at some point (laughs) yeah ben harper seems like a cool guy that'll just play anything all the time so maybe we could get him and do this yeah, sounds about right. If anybody has any contact with Ben Harper and, and thinks that he likes podcasts, then maybe uh, maybe we'll have a conversation with him. <laughs> I feel like I've seen him and like seven different bands of his do festivals or openings. He'll he'll do anything. I've never I've never seen him live before. I've seen him like a thousand times, but never with the same band. He's always got something new going on. <laughs> the and Relentless all, Seven. And they're always all amazing. Yeah. Uh we take from grievance into half full here. Um, it's a good version. Uh, Eddie's holding up a mirror. It looks like, and he's making like this light refre- reflection during it. And uh, yeah, he used to do that. Was big. He loved doing that back in yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah. That, that was. was thing. I, I feel like that was the year for that. Sounds um, about right. Yeah, I, I got I got really not a lot of notes on half full except it was it felt full and it felt fun to listen to. Yeah, I told you I've been on a half full kick lately. I put that on our power rankings. That was one yep. of my choices. Um, I was I, would, I don't want to say I was disappointed by this one, but it was it was it was fine. It was there. It's, it's, it was It's outmatched by so many things in this show. That, that's that's true. That's true and I think me being on a kick lately of it, I guess set me up for a little bit of disappointment because always happens that uh, way. Cuz you know, you know, even if it was performed well, it's it's still not like a song where you're you're going and praying that they play it maybe if you've never seen it before but you know it's nice to have so yeah i think the I one time i saw a disappointment the one time i saw it uh that was pretty much my reaction i didn't go i didn't like scream and i'd be like yes i finally got it it was just kind of like oh cool cool i didn't expect this all right sounds good knock it off the list and enjoy the performance yeah that was about you know that was memphis uh all right here we get to black i don't know what you're gonna say about this and because i heard the intro and i heard the pluckiness but i don't know if it's too plucky for you or not not too plucky not too plucky all right thank goodness (laughs) um because this is a really good version of black uh and i think i think i remember this version just you know and being so emotional and getting deeper and deeper into the song that camera just stays on mccready 
throughout the whole entire solo. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just, you feel everything coming out of that. And it just is, it's almost indescribable. <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to play his solo, uh, just a chunk of that to get that in there. Cause I think for a lot of people that this was a key moment for them. I know black out of everything that happened in the show, it feels like it's a key moment, but then again, it feels like it can be trumped by uh, a couple other things. So mm-hmm. this is what I was saying before when I was saying that Mike belongs in the conversation of best guitar players of all time. This is why. If if you're just listening to it on the album, it doesn't do it justice. Listen to this and then try and make up your decision. Beautiful. 
this is this is just a special moment. Um, I, I need to I need to mention that Ed holding out that last note for all I'll be, and then the crowd gets uh, gets in early with the yeah, and Ed is still holding on to that note for another like five to ten seconds, and then does the yeah. He channels his inner uh, Bill Withers' "Lovely Day" for that one. Loving it, loving it, loving it. <laughs> Pretty impressive for a smoker, too. Yeah. He was smoking on stage during the show. I don't think you can do that anymore. <laughs> I don't think so either. Um, but yeah, this, this, that, what Mike was doing at the end, uh, right at the end, he was playing, he was plucking with the whammy bar. He was actually plucking the strings with the whammy bar. Man, that, it just put some extra extra meat on that that was fucking phenomenal yeah yeah i mean uh i i listened to this one twice as well because i i really really liked this version and i'm thinking to myself do i like it because of the crowd do i like it because of how they're playing it do i like it because it's it's on the dvd why do i like this and i think i like it for a different reason i like it because I don't think it's personally my all-time favorite performance of Black, but I think it is equal to other favorite performances of Black. And I, and I say that meaning there are different things they do in Black that make each Black different from the, from the last. Either they'll get real quiet during like a tag to where there's almost nothing playing on the stage at all to where it's, you know, it's, it's almost not even audible, but something's going on there. Or... Or it's this huge big sing-along tag, or it's no tag, or it's something like that. So I like this because it's exactly what you want black to sound like. It's got yeah. something unique for the night. It's got a great solo. Um, it's not the best of all time, but it's equal to the other ones that are as good. That's all I want. I just it's want got it to a passionate be... crowd too. I think exactly. That yeah. You know, you can't yeah. hold, hold that off. With, with Black, you want it to be exactly how you want it to sound. And that's what it is with this one. Yeah, I 100% agree. If, like, Berlin Black and Unplugged Black and a couple of those other really strong Blacks, um, yeah. like, if those are A pluses, this is an A. Yeah, but I, I mean, you but there, I mean? Are, there are moments in this Black that that are as good as the moments in like the Berlin black. Like they're both, they're both great for different reasons. And right. that's the beautiful thing about the song. Cause you, I, even if it's exactly the same as another, another black version or something, say you see them on tour and they do black two nights in a row. And it was the same thing the night before. It's still going to feel special. The second night for some reason, that's, that's right. the magic of the song. I 100% agree with you. It's always, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if you're going to get a We Belong Together. Or sometimes that tag isn't even We Belong Together. It's just some sort of improv, whatever. Yeah, Mike's got, he'll just be doing the like, you know, these kind of wah pedal womp womps until it fades to nothing or something. And And the crowd, this one, the crowd didn't really get that high on the do 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 i think um, i think they were just in wonderment to be honest they were taking yeah. it all in <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know if that was a, a crowd thing that came later uh if they picked that up picked up on that that's later true too. Yeah. in later years 
possible. Uh, but now, I mean, like once you get to that part, the whole you hear the whole entire crowd. Yeah, you don't even show. You don't hear the band anymore. No, <laughs> during that song. So that's that's another change. Um, all right. So next one, Ed dedicates the next song to record stores in New York City because they're the best in the world. I fully agree. Also, I gotta shout out some love to to the record stores on Long Island, which are awesome, and to Jesse's in Florida, which yeah. I haven't been to, but I'm sure it's awesome as well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't. I I don't know if he's gonna go down to Florida and say, "All right, this one's to all the Florida record stores." But if he does, I think he means Jesse's. Yeah, of course. Um, I wrote three words for "Spin a Black Circle," and that is the energy is palpable. This is just a really, really good version, a really good spot. Yeah, to the point. That's that's it. I didn't have any notes for it either. Yeah, get you get you off a of black. <laughs> it and... honestly was was almost over before I realized I I had to like pay attention to it. I was like, oh okay, that was it's a good version. I felt, good I enough. felt the same way because I was really kind of preparing for this rearview mirror, um, right? And this rearview mirror, I, if there was one song during, and I I consider my early my earliest PJ era is, is ninety eight, and my uh, you know my enjoyment of yield, but then that there was that time between then and when avocado came out that I was not really holding them to a higher standard or, you know, I wasn't really listening to them as much. Uh, but really when I got into them more around that time, I would say like 2006 ish, uh, rearview mirror was my favorite song hands down. Um, it was one of the first ones I had ever heard Steve had played for me, one of, you know, three or four. Uh, so, yeah, this one's stuck for sure. Yeah, I I mean, it was a favorite of mine to the point where I I did a I, I, I took film classes in, in college and I we had to do a, a music video and I did a music video set to Rear Mirror. And it was cheesy as shit and ended with uh, <laughs> a guy crashing his car into a tree. How'd you film that? Because um, I'm a fucking amazing director. <laughs> 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 no, it sucked so much ass. Uh, if I can find it. I was going to say, or, or did you get some like stock like Magnum PI footage or something or uh, nah, Night Rider? Dude, I thought I thought at the time I was doing some innovative shit, and I was like, uh, "Look at this! He looks like he's got a memory in his head." And, and no, it looked like ass. It 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 made um, there was a, a film, you know, a, a film festival at the end of uh, the school year, and there was a I guess a a B show, and it made the B show, but well, at least it didn't make the D show. There wasn't a D show, but, yeah. you know, but whatever, it, it just kind of, that, that was my, you know, that spurned my love for, for the song. Um, sure. and I just, you know, I, I remember wanting to know how rear view mirror sounded live and what they did with it and where they placed it and how important it was. Cause I, I felt it was important to me. So I was really hoping that the band felt like it was important to them. Uh, and I mean, good God, of course it is. 
Right. So um, this is another phenomenal version. We are like, I don't know when we're going to hit a bad rearview mirror. We're just not. We're, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Totally. I I was waiting for something to hit me on this one because the you know the beginning of the rearview mirror. It's it's really um, it's the build up and the bridge yes. and, the, and the ending that that is where you 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 find out if you're going to get a really good one or not. Uh, but the the anticipation there is is fun because you get to listen to the song all the way through and then they do something different in the bridge every time and and stone's little little part too and yeah. that's what you look forward to and and it's that, uh, it's, a, it's always there, good you know <laughs> there was a major like delay sound on that bridge though did you did you yeah, get that vibe yeah. i mean they have yeah uh uh i'm trying to think I, I did hear it i was trying to think of what pedal was going on there uh or or yeah shoot oh god now i can't remember I care. It is there. It's there, though. Yeah, I, I think that I Stone during this time, um, uh, Patrick uh, sent me an email, and he's just like Stone during this time during Rearview Mirror was just experimenting a whole lot, and uh, yeah. everything he seemed to work with just stuck to the wall. So just, yeah, it worked. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Um, and this is where. Oh, by, by the way, I, I failed to mention that uh, this was supposed to be a watch-along episode, but isn't. Um, We're not going to abandon that completely. We're, we just have to figure out, uh, w- with with more than a week's notice, how to make it work a little better. <laughs> um, and what I'm, what I'm thinking, I'm thinking the, the best way to do it is to actually film it, and maybe, maybe we might have to make it like a Patreon episode. We might have to watch do something where we could watch something. It could just be a YouTube special. Yeah, yeah. It's if we could do some kind of picture in picture, I I think um I think that's what would be the easiest right and most effective way so people could actually watch along and we could do clip or we won't have to do clips cuz we'll have it right there but we could do volume adjustments, anything we right. need. But you'll actually be able to see the video. So it's it's not completely out the window yet. We just have to figure out the best way to do it. Yeah, but it just I, I I don't know why I didn't mention it in the beginning because I, I, in my mind right now is as I, I was going to after River Mirrors say, okay, flip the DVD, uh, <laughs> put put in uh, disc number two. Yeah, but, it was, yeah, it says uh, intermission resumed on disc two or something. Is yeah, that what it says? it's got yeah. it's got that little. Um, it's like old timey. Uh, yeah, there was it, like uh, count like Western movie type thing. Yeah, right? like silent movie. Yeah, the the uh, Native American. Uh, yeah logo thing I, that, that was always used as like the uh technical difficulties right i i don't know why they used in in uh i was gonna say indian i will say native american i didn't um i never understood why they used the native american symbol for that too bad we're not a historians on that no too bad all right encore one uh I feel like every time we've done this song, uh, we're doing it where it gets overshadowed. Um, I feel like we haven't covered it in forever. Uh, yeah, I feel I hadn't. It, it came on. I was like, when was the last time I even listened to this song? It might. The last time we might have covered it this long ago might have been uh, when we did the Spectrum show. Wow, back in was October. Jeez. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't know if it came up in in one of the other Riot Act shows that we've done. I don't think it did. So, 
But I, I, I will say I like the spot for it. I like coming out of the encore out of the gate, and it's sort of, um, it's it's feel good. It's it's uh, sort of kind of groovy vibe to it, um, and uh, it's it's not. I feel like you kind of needed to come out of the gate with something like this instead of, you know, coming out with go or something insane blood, anything like yeah. that. So it, 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 it's a nice way to ease back in. Cause they weren't really doing the, uh, the cool downs right. to that, to the extent at that point. So, right. It was, it was a little awkward for me, but as the song moved on, I appreciated it. And I, I, yeah, I, I like the spot better, but it, it, not at first. I had to. I had to get about halfway through the song, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I know, I get this. This is this is good. I, I think the crowd's reaction. I think there was another del- delayed reaction to it because I think again, so too. It, it just, you know, you're getting off that high of rear mirror, and uh, there's not many things that you're going to react to that uh, ecstatically, I right, suppose. Right. So. Uh, putting two two riot act songs kind of at the top here probably the best way to go um so after you are ed brings out the acoustic and we do thumbing my way um this one has been a lot longer since we've covered this is it's um it's been since episode two yep. since we've talked about thumbing my way yep. so um I, i'm sorry for riot act people and for us who, who love both of these songs that, that we don't really we aren't getting an opportunity here to to discuss them more um or play them but give us give us some ideas for shows that have these songs on them and then we'll <laughs> and we'll dedicate them to you you know uh this sounded good though i think that uh you know ed sounds great in it and i think it's just um he wasn't doing a lot of acoustic stuff with the band. Like Ed himself wasn't playing acoustic a lot in shows at the time. Full band's thumbing my way. That's that's how I want it. Yeah, 100%. that's how I want it. And this, yeah, uh, I have no notes for it because that's all. That's all I need. And it's <laughs> it's pre- it's pretty appropriate right now because uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, last week it became springtime. So uh, no matter how cold winter. There's a springtime ahead. Spring has sprung. Yep, we're here. Okay, that it was, uh, it was cold as shit today, though. Oh, it was it was it was awesome here. It was, oh, was, was it? Oh, shining. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I was down at the on the water today. It was it was chilly. It's always cold on the water. <laughs> I live on the water. It was fine though. So, I don't know. Maybe different water. I'm on yeah. the sound. You're on the the bay. Yeah. Different water, different temperatures, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Earth. All right. <laughs> you <Science>. ready? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, definitely. You ready? Because oh, yeah. this, is, this is really, this starts the stretch here of just song after song after song. and Strap this, in. Strap in. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Um so this is daughter here and uh on the actual song this is a really good version coming out of thumbing my way i think you needed something uh poppy and energetic uh to come out of something a little more downtrodden 
Um, but the story isn't daughter. It's about brother. And Ed even says it. Uh, he says, Brother Ben. Uh, and they get into the tag and they do some tagish things for a few minutes. And then Ed asks the crowd for a favor. It would mean a lot to him. He said he's got his brother here. Help him out. And then Ed starts singing, With my two hands, I can change this world. Uh, and then Ben comes on stage, and then we just, the whole crowd, and everything erupts. So um, let's, take, let's take it from Ben. sort of takes a back seat here he gives the state he gives madison square garden stage to ben harper and lets him have a pearl jam crowd how incredible is that that the crowd is just on every word he's saying yeah and i'm really glad it went the way it did because let me just backtrack real quick with with daughter it starts out it's a great version the, the tempo is perfect it's a no frills just like black it's exactly how you want to hear it it's to the point it's clean it's super tight and it sounds great too the the bootleg i th- i thought this was this is one of the better sounding mixes on the the whole bootleg sounds great the whole uh show the recording everything uh but daughter for some reason was just it seemed crystal clear then eddie gets up to do this little thing and I'm like, oh God. So he starts singing this line and has the crowd sing it back to him. I'm like, oh, this is just Eddie doing one of those things again where it's like he just has a there's he says a couple words with this horribly generic melody and it's like it's gonna go on forever now. And and I'm sitting there and I'm like, This sucks. Like this is not good. It's stupid. And then Ben Harper comes out and does it, and I'm like, This is the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> It when Ben came out and was doing what Eddie was doing, it was 
I, I, I can't even describe how much better it was. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> anybody, well, I mean, anybody that wasn't clapping along and wasn't into it at that point, once Ben came on stage, I feel like, um, I feel like the crowd, uh, multiplied by about 10. It felt he just it was, like it was just it was that reaction. Well, you know what it sounded like? Cause you know, you know what I mean? Like, like Eddie was riffing and, and he was just trying to like improv this vocal part for the crowd to, you know, come into. And Ben Harper comes out and he's like, no, no, no. This is how you do it. I got this. <laughs> I, I got let, this. Let me do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, something I know. I don't know if, if they've done this after daughter again. Um, obviously, Ben is is really known for um, for joining in on indifference, and he's done that a bunch of times. But uh, yeah, you can't replicate. You, you take this moment, you bottle it up, and you try to keep. You try to hang on to this for as long as you can. You try to remember this for as long as you can have memories. Um, you know, not not even for the for the people that were just at the show but for everybody for everybody that had the dvd i mean for the people that had the show shit for the people that were at the show shit that's uh wow i can't you're never getting it again so (laughs) he calls them the greatest band of the world and then he's singing with eddie and um Again, this is just one of the best moments of the show. And you know what else you're never getting again? Randy Palooza. So yeah, everyone that's... everyone at MSG really missed out on that. That's very all true. Right. All, okay. All right. When, when, when's the next time you're 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 going on tour with ISO? Oh man, I know. Gotta get the gotta get them back together. I'm the self proclaimed idiots uh getting <laughs> back together. Co headline I mean, tour. <laughs> that that one might be a little more plausible. Yeah. Um, probably not though. Probably not. So <laughs> you go from daughter and you get crown of thorns. And this was incredibly rare to hear at the time. Uh, this is only the fourth time it being played. And, and everybody kind of knows the story that Vegas was the first time they, they, they pulled it out because it was the 10 year anniversary of, uh, uh, the first time that, that, Pearl Jam had performed, so you know what better way to to do a tribute than to do a Mother Love Bone song, and uh, they had not been doing it a lot this time. So because of that, I uh, I think this was a very special moment for people. So I think we have to uh, we have to put it up full here and play it for you guys. Someday from I've been talking 
I said uh, it, it's uh, it was rare at the time. Uh, it's a little less rare now, uh, but it's still it feels like a gem when you're getting it. Even though I felt like I got it for like five shows in a row, and I I got to the point where I was sick of it. So that was that was a little disappointing. But um, you know they weren't doing Chloe Dancer with it at this time, so it's again very cool moment. Um, I don't think you like this song, though. I, I For some reason, I'm, I, I, I've always gotten the sense that you don't like Crown of Thorns. I don't like Crown of Thorns. I, I don't care for it. Okay. It's, uh, it's, it's boring to me, and and it, it just, I don't think it sounds that good live. The way Jeff plays his bass part, it, it's tough to describe. He sounds a little out of tune. He's, it's, it's a little I love sloppy. Jeff's bass part in, in Crown of Thorns. Boom. I love that. If he's playing on a fretless, though, it's a little, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm not a fan of it. it. Sounds a little out of tune. It's it's a little sloppy. Not not for me. All right. Fair. I yeah. think he and, gave... And I know a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, it's better when they do it with, you know, with Chloe Dancer, too. But I don't really care for that song either. So, yeah. The, the, always, See, I, I, I like yeah. Chloe. You know, I, you know what? Uh, let me, I'm sorry. Let me, I like it more. But I don't. I don't dislike Crown of Thorns just because you don't get that one before it. I right. dislike it just because I, yeah, I just don't care for the song. Okay. That's, you give fair analogies. Uh, I, I just, I like how Ed respects the history of the members of this band. Oh He's yeah. That, that's great. Tribute, that's, you know? that's fantastic. Absolutely. And even though he's never crossed paths with Andy, I feel like mm -hmm. there's been some sort of kinship in yep. a way that they, they're sort of bonded together. Um, you know, who else has made, you know, Jeff and, and Stone, who else has made music with them the yeah. way they had, you know? So uh, it, it is a special moment at the time. I don't I don't think doing Crown of Thorns nowadays is as special um, unless the moment calls for it. Uh, but 
Um, I think at this point, it was definitely one of those songs that just you're very excited to see. Uh, and Ed says afterwards, he said, Jeff and Stone would back him up by saying Andy would have loved it in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Which, that's that was that was the kind of arena that Andy was trying to play to when he was playing, you know, dingy Seattle clubs. He was he was always trying to play to an arena rock crowd and um you know that's Pearl Jam is fulfilling that dream of his in in some sort of way. The legacy or, you know, the just the reason why they all came together in the first place. So yeah, it was a yeah. nice nice little moment. Yep. Man, there's so much good stuff on this show. Breath. There's Breath, too. And that's another one I have marked to play. Because um, it's a kind of a callback. So uh, we don't have to play a lot of it, but it, this is another really good version of the song. So let's, let's, let's hear it, and we'll be right back. this is a, a callback to the last time they were in the garden where obviously the whole entire crowd was holding up their their breath signs and and even in night one when they didn't play breath uh <laughs> when they were played elderly woman the whole crowd when uh at the i seem to recognize your breath part they all said breath <laughs> all just shouted back at them that cool moments and then and then ed saying you motherfuckers you fucking cocksuckers uh you know you guys you guys ask for it and we give we give we give and uh and you guys keep asking for more and you know what you deserve it and they gave him breath but that look it's the legend of that version that's so good but that performance they're walking on eggshells right and i'm really glad that you know you give it five or six years however long it was i'm not doing math right now uh five years i, I want to say uh and they come back and they do it with power and they do it with emphasis and i think ever since then you know the other the other two song uh two show uh stints that they've done at madison square garden they've they've done breath at least one of those nights which is always really a really nice callback and i think that fans at msg always you know they're always thinking about that first moment but they finally they finally started playing it more at this time and and uh because i think it was played 10 shows during this tour that we're on right here uh but yeah good decision to bring it back for good i know you're not crazy about it but yeah i mean this was performed exceptionally well especially compared to the last madison square garden show 
I have no problem with that. I just, yeah, I still, I still don't understand the like the the cult following behind the song, but it's because the singles probably. Yeah, I guess, but man, I mean, it sounded great. Like, you know, I can't say it didn't sound great. It, it definitely did. Yeah, uh, just, uh, just another another key moment of this whole entire encore that is just so legendary. Um, so Ed toasts with Jeff and stone and they're all sharing a bottle of wine. Ed says that this is a song that was written before he met Jeff and stone and he never would have gotten to play it with them. If he never met them, uh, maybe he played it in a place that smelled like piss. And then he kind of paused for a second. He's like, yeah, but that would be all right. That's, that's his reaction to things. I, well, I, I love I, that. You know, Randy, I think you could agree with me that Madison Square Garden doesn't always smell the best. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. Um, I've seen people do horrible things at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> so have I. <laughs> if you're looking on YouTube for a bad radio version of Better Man, I can promise you that the place that they were playing probably smelled like piss. <laughs> And that's, you know, that's the early, early versions of, of Better Man. And that's obviously the one song that, that has, has stayed from Eddie's early days. Um, poof, there's so much to cover. Uh, MSG Better Man is always special and better than most Better Mans because the crowd is just on top of the whole thing, the whole crowd. And he, you know will either turn the microphone over to the crowd or he'll just let the crowd do their thing and sing in their choir. Um, but whew, this was great. Fantastic. I, I have to, uh, I have to break down this song. Okay. I, I mentioned to you before we started recording and, uh, Randy got really angry at me because I said, I said there are two points or two songs in this show that I have to I have to really disagree uh, with people on, and you wanted me to tell you immediately, but I said I, I wasn't going to. Okay. I wanted to surprise you, and uh, Randy got a little irritated because he says he's very impatient. But uh, yep. your your patience paid off because we're here. Yeah. Um, so this is one of one of two songs actually back to back that a lot of people consider. Um, two of their best performances of the song. I don't, I don't know about this version of Better Man. It's the 2010 version of Better Man. I've MSG. heard that's I've the heard, one. I've heard this one too from people. They say they say uh, uh, Live at the Garden, Better Man, and and I think I know why. And I think it's because of the crowd participation in the beginning. Yeah, and that is that is true. Crowd participation here is a absolute ten. To hear to hear a crowd sing a chorus that's. Um, and a verse that's crisp and concise and clear, that doesn't happen. Right. You hear every word and everybody is in time. And that's right. what's so good about it. Now, moving on, now that you know, they start to play whatever, uh, the band performance is easy eight. I mean, it's nothing crazy special, but it's nice and tight. Sounds good. Uh, Eddie on this is, is a very generous four. I mean, he is <laughs> not good on this song. And I know I think a lot of people have said in the past that this was their favorite Better Man because if you're there and, you, and you're and you a part of that crowd, that's going to stick with you absolutely for sure. Yeah. And you probably don't even know what Eddie's singing when you're singing along that loud, getting through the rest of the song. 
but listening back on the bootleg he has zero passion he has zero edge zero drive there's nothing there at all and uh, i i after after the first course um i was out man i checked out i didn't like it at all that's interesting i i guess that the band overtook the performance and i guess i didn't realize that his passion wasn't as passionate as we know it to be i felt it was a little lazy honestly and I was sh- shocked by that. Well, you know what's you know what's funny. I wrote during this song that this entire show, this band, the band felt so tight yet so loose. It, oh, they weren't they weren't stiff at all. There was no. I, I but I mean like tight as in everybody's together, everybody's on the same page, but loose as in everybody is, you know, it's, energetic. It's They're just natural. Fun. It's just natural. Yeah, yeah, it feels natural. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, this so, one was. I don't know if Eddie was getting a little too comfortable, but yeah, I didn't. I think I can't believe it. It's a better man that I didn't. I didn't like, and uh, wow. I had to say it because it, I. I thought that was never going to happen. You know, I, I. I don't. I'm not like crazy mad at you for for thinking that. If you say that the next song is what you think that. Um, is part of your other thing that we might disagree on, then we're going to have a conversation here because a better man is better man. This is, it's not what you, it's not, it's not what you think. It's not as bad as you think. Okay. All right. But (laughs) I, you know, this version of better man is good and, and it, it stands out for sure. But, um, you know, it doesn't have a save it for later tag because you got a lot of stuff going on and save it for later would be another 10 extra minutes that they would have to pay another $14,000 for. Uh, but, um, I think I wrote it here, uh, during better man that this night and this DVD, this performance, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier in the show, cause you, you do so much talking for so long, you forget what you say, but I feel like this night turned them from good rock and roll band to legendary rock and roll band. Yeah. Yeah. Like we said the the years in between and and new albums and and all this stuff right. from 1998 to now yeah it's a different band and this is but it kind of ties into what's coming up oh yeah yeah sure what's coming up is is the stuff of legends i think everybody kind of knows what's what's coming here and everybody knows this story and everybody knows the legend behind it um it's do the evolution it ends the first encore and boy does it fucking shake the stage and uh just we're gonna play the part in the middle of the song where you can hear ed say uh during the i'm a thief i'm a liar this is uh he doesn't say this is my church i sing in the choir he says you rock um the stage is bouncing sing like a choir we're gonna play that whole part and just how electric that whole entire section is so take a listen and um if you haven't heard this before you're in for a treat
the stage is shaking at this point. Um, and you, you, you're watching, you're watching the clip and Ed gets down. This is at, at a pivotal point in the song where Ed should be like rocking out or, or it should, he should feel like ener- energy and he's down on the floor and his hand is on the stage and he's feeling the stage rocking and shaking and I think you can kind of hear him after the part where he says, I do what I want, but irresponsibly, he kind of goes off mic. And I, I, I'm not sure if he's like trying to tell one of the other band members, like it, we're shaking or something like that. But um, he's kind of saying something halfway off the mic. And he's, he's looking around as, as almost as if he's worried about his safety. Um, I think that's the first thing. Cause you, you, you see, you see it in his eyes. He looks worried. Am I right about that? Well, I mean, just imagine it's uh, right. You know, if you've if you've never had that happen before, and it starts to happen, it's it's, think, it's is that Ross, the crowd or is that an earthquake? What's going on? It's it's Ross Ross killed PTSD. That's the first thing that <laughs> Maybe. is going through my mind for him, which is horrible. Um, but oh oh my goodness. Uh, you talk to people that were there that night, and they say that yes, that the place was on fire. It was absolutely rocking. I don't think that watching it on the DVD, they gave enough credit to the crowd. They didn't show the crowd going up and down, and that was a, that was disappointing. I really don't think you could capture that anyway. I mean, it's it it would be tough feel. to, but yeah, yeah, I know. So what, what, what's your what's your what's your thing about this song? We'll get into we'll get into all Iron Maiden thing in a second. Yeah. Um, so again, with the crowd, I mean, the stage is shaking. Crowd is a ten. There's no denying that, right? Mm-hmm. And they're pumped. They're pumped for the song. They're ready to go, and that's great. But this is a for me was a very typical do the evolution. I don't think I don't think there was anything really remarkable about this performance i think what was remarkable, remarkable was the crowd yeah i yeah i agree with you i think do the evolution is one of those songs it's it's either you hit her you hit it completely or you miss it well here's what happened it's you know what's gonna happen and you go into it and people say that was the best do the evolution the crowd shook it right but it has nothing to do with the stage right it's not like mike pulled it out like this crazy solo even though stone does a yeah, solo on the song yeah. it's not so, no no one did anything out of the norm right so so go, so going going into it that's what you expect but then you say well i'm not there i can't feel it shaking so i'm just gonna listen to the song and this was do the evolution that's really all i i had no notes for the actual song to be honest because it was the crowd that blew me away not the song yeah I give I give credit to the people that tell the story of being there, and then Ed that tells the story right after uh, coming out of the encore. Yeah, um, if, if you're there and the and the and the place is shaking and you feel it shaking and you think you might die, sure, it's probably going to be the best moment of your life. But you can never recapture that. You can, and you can't really explain it either. I mean, you can't. I I I can't. I don't have that feeling. I could only listen to the song. The only way that I could 
understand like if if they did like this wide shot of all the heads bobbing right. up and down i would have gotten that feel but they they did one shot of the crowd where it was like maybe five or six rows deep and you see a couple people there bobbing up and down but it didn't give you the feel that mm-hmm. these this this small group of people is making this the stage shake yeah that that's the only thing that I had from it is I, I'm just gonna have to take everybody for their word for their word. Yeah, and that that was just what I was trying to say with Better Man too. Like it's great crap participation. If you're there, it was probably the best point of the of the night. But just listening back to the bootleg, the the song for me was not good. So uh it's that's the as we've said before, that is the downside of of uh yep. of going through these is because sometimes it's some things are right in your face and you're like that was the best because i could hear it i could see it and i know it was the best but then there are things that you really literally have to be there for yeah yeah this it's something that may never happen again so why don't we um with ed coming out with a fresh bottle of wine that he shares with everybody uh not mike obviously uh but this is really this is a key moment of the show where um this is where your status changes from great rock and roll band to legendary rock and roll band. It's this moment where Ed mentions it. So let's, uh, let's let Ed tell you how it all went down. I need to tell you something happened during that last song. And, and we've, uh, we played it here before. We've had a couple good ones, maybe one that, uh, we wanted to make better. There was one uh, the last time. Uh, it was a Ralph Nader uh, benefit that many of you came to to fill up the place. And maybe we'll have to do that again someday. But uh, I'll just tell you there was something happened just now, and, and uh, you know. It, it's easy for us to get freaked out because we want everything to be safe, but uh, the stage was bumping up and down like... And I, and I just want to tell you this because it's a, it's a credit to you more than us, but I was just told that it's only bounced that like that for a few other people and, and they were... Grateful Dad. Iron Maiden. And Bruce Springsteen, and we're really proud to be part of that. Proud to be part of that little group there, but I gotta tell you, scared the fuck out of us. <laughs> Grateful Dead, Iron Maiden, Bruce Springsteen, Pearl Jam. That's excellent company. Um, and yes, we did get the little number of the beast uh, riff in there, which is yes. 
when, when all said and done, probably, you know, my second or third favorite thing from this show. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I, you know uh, what I'm dying to know? I'm dying to know what song or songs got the stage shaking for the Grateful Dead. Because uh, I do like ooh. the Grateful Dead. I'm just trying to think, like, what set it off, man? You know, I'd love it, to know. It's funny because uh, in when they're coming back on stage, you see a security guard come in and, and he's like right at Ed's ear. And I think, I don't know if Ed kind of like brings him on stage and just like, who was it again? Uh, but I, I'm sure that security guard was the one that told him during, during the break, like I've never seen the shakes uh, stage shake for anybody besides these three and you. Uh, but I love how he comes on stage kind of whispers in his ears and he just walks off <laughs> it was pretty funny um uh, says it scared the fuck out of him but this this is a madison square garden moment <laughs> if it ever was one you know uh you can't recapture it it happened and we have proof that it all happened we just can't we can't feel the dvd shake you can't. It doesn't come with those features. No, um, it's it's just gonna skip if you shake it. <laughs> well, what if you bought some shake weights? Oh, okay, yeah. Now you're now you're onto something. Mm-hmm. Now we're shaking. <laughs> or what are those '80s? No, not even '80s. It was like a '50s uh, thing where uh, you put like the straps in and then it vibrates the belt and it. Yeah, the belt. Yeah, and it vibrates your torso. What did? Was this supposed to do burn calories? I don't know. It had a purpose, <laughs> no but it, it didn't do anything, of course, but it looked really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've never used one. <laughs> I think that's... it's. It actually, doesn't look that, enjoyable. <laughs> no. It's terrible. You know, I think it's in, uh, in Disney and Magic Kingdom, uh, the Carousel Progress ride. I think... It's it's like one of these. I, I know you're not a Disney guy, but um, uh, so I, it was one of Walt Disney's like, you know, um, what's uh, the show the show the World Show Showcase? He he showcased it at, at the World Showcase or something like that. But oh, it, the it, the World's Fair. World's Fair, yeah. Thank you. Um, he uh, so it takes you through time in America. It's like the 1800s and. You know, it shows you the, you know, uh, the stuff that they use to boil water and crap like that. And then it takes you to a little bit later then a little bit later. But when it gets to the 50s one, they're showing that like a girl is using that vibrated shake thing. I don't <laughs> I don't know what it's called, though, but that that's like, yeah, that's stuck right in the 50s. Oh, and good. then you can tell how dated that is because uh, that whole ride, because they do like the futuristic and the futuristic uh, one is the last one. It's supposed to be the eighties essentially. And like grandma's using like this VR virtual reality game. And she's like using her fingers to, to shoot space invaders or something like that. And it's really, it's not anywhere close to what we've actually developed in the future. We were a lot brighter than that. So I think they need to change the ride up, but yeah, that shake thing was on there. Uh, anyway, sort of lost the train after all that. Um, you know, Iron Maiden dead. Bruce, 
Pearl Jam. I don't know if anybody has uh, shook the stage like that since. Uh, I was going to say, uh, I would imagine maybe Fish, but... Yeah, but what do the, what do they have to shake the stage? Dude, you have know? you ever seen video from their New Year's Eve shows? Yeah, it yeah, is okay. it is epic beyond epic proportions, and I don't even like fish. And right. I will I will say it, it beats anything I've ever seen in my entire life. It's it's insane. Um, I, I'm I, sure they shook it though. I I still won't go because I I just don't care for them. But holy shit, like it's it's. I don't know. I don't crazy. know if Billy Joel's ever shaken that stage. Do you think after like two thousand shows, just kind of stand around when you when you watch Billy Joel? I've never seen Billy Joel. I don't, I don't like Billy Joel. But. Uh, you know, I I sat in my seat for the most part because we were in a part of the crowd where not a lot of people were standing. You know, but um, if if you go to a Billy Joel show and everyone's sitting down around you and like singing along, I'm okay with that though. Like if 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 you're just having a if you're out and you're listening to music and you, you know you don't have to stand up and go nuts if you want to like hey i'm going to sit down relax drink a beer and watch some billy joel like that's cool i'm into that right yeah uh, that's essentially i mean it's a way older cr- crowd it brings in people from our generation because it's sort of passed down like uh you know bruce is the same way it's passed down from generation to generation and you know a lot of uh and Pearl Jam is starting to get that too, because now you're getting kids with '90s parents. Um, you know, I I see my brother, and he's early 40s, and his kids are 11 and 7. Mm-hmm. And we were in the car; we had the Sirius station on, uh, and my brother said, "Do you know what this band is?" And they were kind of at first like, "Uh, uh," they said, "It starts with a P." Her and they're like, oh, Pearl Jam. So they know the name, so they kind of get where they kind of come from. So it's a good start. Um, yeah, it's a great start. So hope, hoping someday I get to take my nephew to a show uh, when he's old enough to appreciate it. So uh, they start off the encore. Really, they started off with uh, Number of the Beast, but really, they started off with Crazy Mary. Um, it's a pretty light version. Um, back then, I don't think Ed really projected his voice as much as he does now. It was a lot more relaxed. Uh, and um, Boom boom got a lot of love during it. And it's, it sounded good. It's, it's, it's not the best thing to happen in the show, but it did sound good. Yeah, I, I like starting off the encore with it. and Or encore two with it, I should say. Uh, yeah, Eddie keeps it pretty monotone. He doesn't really go to the upper registers and and belt it out like he does now. But I mean, I'm not gonna not take it. So yeah, good to have. Good to have. Not and you not, also got lucky because you were there the night after. Uh, and what did they open with? Yeah, this is where the the night after on the ninth is what started my fascination with Pearl Jam opening with Crazy Mary, and I and I I. I've been hoping to see that again sometime. It's that might just, have been the last time. It's, yeah, it's you know, it's it's not something they would do again. I don't think, and it's it's not even something I would prefer, but it it's it still fascinates me. Well, uh, that show will will be in about a month. Yeah, we'll cover that. See how much you remember from that. I remember that. I, I I was looking at the set and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. There are definitely things I remember. I was. I was worried I wouldn't remember anything from it because you know what we were, 
We were going to be graduating high school. We were, you yeah, know, 16, 17 years old, whatever it was. morons back then. So, yep. Uh, but uh, no, no, I do remember some things. And that, that definitely stuck with me, obviously. Um, what stuck with me uh, from watching the DVD was this next performance, because how could it not? Uh, if, it, if, it, if it doesn't, then just you, have a soul, just you, you like are. You can't say anything awful about this this is uh brother ben back and good lord his words are better than mine so he's gonna speak for me This is something that they've done, you know, a bunch of times with Ben. And it just, every time they do it, it sounds good. And I think the last time we covered him doing Indifference, I don't remember when it was, but it sounded like he was younger. It sounded Nervous. like it was on, yeah, it was on a stage I where he was. I remember that one. Yeah, I don't remember when it was. Me either. It wasn't, it wasn't the Vic Theater show, because I know he did it at Vic Theater. But... This is Madison Square Garden, and he is like he's uh, once again like in daughter. He is grabbing, he is grabbing the crowd, and um, he's taking taking the bull by the horns, and he is just bringing so much emotion and energy into this uh, that it feels the way I feel that he's thinking is this song has made as much of an impact on him that it has on all of us. And maybe yeah. more of an impact on him than it has the band. Maybe. It sounds like it for sure. It's just... He has a connection with the band in a very fan way. And he's like a fan that kind of gets the access to hang out with the band. And gets the access to, to you know, play with the band. And... Um, you know that that's how he kind of portrays it as here uh he just and yet he's such a great performer that he loves he can he can he can grab the crowd and he can have them 
singing along with him on every last word. And it's just, it's just amazing. It's, it's, uh, when him and Eddie go back and forth, the I'll swallow, po- I'll swallow poison until I grow immune part, uh, and the crowd seems to just be in tears of joy through the whole thing. It's just a, I used the word beautiful before, I use it again here. This was a yeah. beautiful, beautiful performance. The, the swallow poison part was definitely the, the standout. Yeah, that, was, that was a crazy moment. And yeah, it definitely does get better every time he sings it with them. And you know, you said, He's like the fan that gets access to, to you know, be like friends with the band. But it's it's not even that. It's like it's like a fan of the band. But then the band you're a fan of has so much respect for you and is like, <laughs> yeah, you're you're like better than us. Like so, we need you to come on and sing these songs with us because it's such a fan favorite, and that's what they want. And that's, that's like, like that's like got to be like. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's like if Captain America told a kid that was a fan of Captain America that maybe had some like, you know, superhero powers in him. It's like Captain America told that kid, "Hey, it's your turn to go fight Thanos now." It's it's your turn to be Captain America, exactly. Right? Oh, it's legendary. It's legendary. It's the best version of indifference out there. It will um, always be legendary. I don't care if he's nervous and young when he was doing it the first time. And it's, pro- it's probably going back to this moment that you can just feel all the energy from this moment in this version and then listen to other versions where maybe he is a little bit more nervous going on stage with the band. And uh, yet you can feel the same way that you feel listening to this one. Yeah, he belts this one out. It's, it's crazy. It's yeah. awesome. He was, he, was, he was meant to sing this song. Hell, he should. Pearl Jam should just give it to him. Yeah, sorry, Eddie, but uh, or thank you for writing it for Ben Harper. <laughs> right, thank you, but it it's his now. Uh, Ed says we're going to continue. It's going to cost us fourteen thousand dollars, but we're going to continue. You got you guys made us rich. Fuck the tax code. We're going to do this. Um, and I got three songs left, and they're three heavy hitter songs. Uh. First one up being Sonic Reducer, joined by Tony Barber of the Buzzcocks. And it's very appropriate that punk legends pay tribute to other punk legends here. And um, this is a, a melt-your-face-off version. And the crowd is uh, the crowd is exceptional during this. This is just the band on stage with, with one of their heroes um, having a moment. Yeah, I was I was worried at first because when he comes out and starts playing, it was a little rough. I, it sounded like maybe he didn't know the song that well, or was or maybe was, he couldn't hear himself or, or something yeah, like so, that. But it was that was over quick, and and he was right back in the pocket, and it was it was great. Yeah, I I don't have a lot more on Sonic. Uh, no. That was another just, one that was like, oh, it's over. I got to listen to yeah. that again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just perfect, uh, straight through. It's really, it's really not until after this song that you kind of your ears perk up a little bit. So, Ed talks about the Buzzcocks and says, if it weren't for them, maybe they'd sound like uh, Good Charlotte or something, which uh, obviously elicits a boot from the crowd. Lifestyles um, of the rich and the famous. You remember every day walking home from school, we would do nothing but make fun of them. Bentleys and the Xbox gonna play Xbox and our Bentleys. 
Do you remember that? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! So he says uh, it is a huge honor to play with the Buzzcocks today, and he introduces Steve Diggle for the next song. The house lights are up, and the crowd is going banana, and it has the tambourines, and everyone is jumping up and down for Baba O'Reilly. together here it's it's appropriately awkward it is just like <laughs> the <laughs> but it's it's great it's almost watching like stone in like a mirror image like they're lo- they're looking at each other like oh that's what i look like <laughs> doing the groucho marks uh thing where or one of the marx brothers that are yeah. they they look at each other and they're making all the same exactly yeah, yeah right that's funny. Uh, when the crowd is singing, um, it's only teenage wasteland. That's they gotta they gotta play Baba every time they're in the garden. It's a must. Uh, doesn't get better than that. And not only that, but uh, the ending that keeps going is really good. And then Jeff mm. does like that Russian dance. Did you see that? Uh, I don't. I don't know if I saw that. Or Jeff is like sort of kicking off the stage, and it looks like he's doing one of those like oh, oh. Russian dance things. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, the the show is a treasure. Everything that comes with it. Uh, you know, some of the little moments that they show of the band just having so much fun. It, it just it makes you makes you want to be a part of them. It makes you want to follow them. Like I said, this is. If it weren't for this show, I don't know if um, if I would have if this podcast would be a thing. Uh, that's what got me hooked and want not just wanted me to go see them, but uh, but what made me want to go uh, see them multiple times. And and I knew at that point of watching it, I said I, I'm, I'm gonna be that fan. Because I was I was growing up, I was I was I was gonna start to get a job. I was gonna start to get a career, and once I got that got going, I had some money, and I was gonna start following them to cool places. And that's what happened. Now, you know, 
what has it been, 13, 14 years, I can say to my younger self, I, I've, I've done all of that, and I've, I've sort of lived some of your dreams. So while other things haven't gone to plan, some things have gone to plan, but other things have gone to shit, uh, I can at least say that I've been to a bunch of really cool and famous Pearl Jam shows. So got that going for you. Randy from 2006. <laughs> um, all right, little Hendrix style licks at the end here before we go into Ledbetter. Um, I think a lot of people at the time say that, in hindsight, they say 30 songs was a lot for them, which is not saying much now. 30 is, is pretty average because uh, they don't have openers, but. Um, it seems like during the riot act era, they would hit around 26 to 27. So getting a 30 song show is unique in itself. Now you get a show you know, uh, outside of that's what, that's really what made the Mansfield show and the state college shows really unique state college. They did, I think 37 and Mansfield, they did something like 43, some insane number that third night. Um, but 30 for a show that like this uh i think a lot of people would go home happy i mean i'd go home happy 30 nowadays you better go home happy with the 30 because you were (laughs) you were only supposed to get 27 they they spent 14 grand to give you three extra songs seriously you you better be happy with that (laughs) i mean yeah okay they they you know they threw in two covers in yellow lead better, but that's, that's enough to, it's, that's yeah. enough. I know you're not a lead better guy, but, shit. Uh, but this is a lead better show. This is a lead better show. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Especially since they played in difference, you know, five songs ago. Uh, by the way, I think it's 14 grand per half hour at MSG. Sounds right. That, that you go over. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, going to see primus at uh radio city and it was when they were doing the full not season cheese uh the other one frizzle fry they were doing the full frizzle fry album and around the time they hit herald of the rocks which is like a 10 minute song uh they rushed through it they because it was getting it was like 10 45 ish they rushed through it they finished the album which after Howard on the Rocks, there wasn't much left. Uh, but they came back on to do the encore, which is My Name is Mud. And they, like, after that, like, where uh, where you going, city boy part, they kind of they kind of put a sting on it and stopped and said goodnight. And that was right at 11 o'clock because they didn't want to pay <laughs> any of the overages. I was so mad. I was just like, really? I mean, I understand, but uh, not the other show that we went to was was much better yeah yeah but hey you know if you're the roseland ball you know, you're at you're at uh madison square garden and your your crowd is shaking your stage you're gonna you're gonna keep going that's fourteen thousand dollars well spent um yeah. we say goodbye mike shreds on the way out and uh you can't really do much better than this so I ask in a really tough decision. I've been thinking about this all day and all week. Um, how are you going to rate it? How am I going to rate it? What do you think? Uh, mine's really easy, actually. 
I was mentioning to you before we started recording that it's really hard for me to critique songs that are, for the most part, played straightforward and clean and tight and good, you know, because the the fun part is when something sucks. You want to dive in and you want to you want to know why. You want to pick it apart. You want to do this. You want to do that. Or if something is so amazingly great because there's a, a guest appearance or something like that. But if they're pretty, as I as I told you, like par for the course performances where there's nothing really wrong with it it's really hard to critique and i think that was most of this show a lot of it is crowd participation and of course setless construction which is absolute top notch but at the same time we didn't even, talk about that at all today we didn't have we didn't have to because because everything everything was flowing so well right no at no part did did it come up to say ooh this is weird here because there was no opportunity to do that. It just does. It didn't come up. But uh, at the same time, besides besides the the Ben Harper parts, and really that's it. There, there wasn't anything that really absolutely blew me away because it was not a rare show, really, and it was it was just a really really In good some tight aspects. Show. It was though. Yeah. Crown, oh. Crown of Thorns, Low Light. Uh, I know low light was a down point because it was played yeah, but like trash. Exactly, but, low, low light was terrible and like though, Crown and Thorns. I don't like Crown of Thorns. So, uh, and again, that's not that rare now. So, it's it, I don't see it as as rare then. I see it as just starting new trends. So, you know, it didn't stay rare. I guess I could say, but you know, even though nothing's blowing me away, the set list is great, the crowd is great, and they're super tight. So, uh, it's a definite easy eight i mean so i i I wasn't i wasn't totally blown away but it was it was good solid super solid all right i'm about to make history oh boy (laughs) uh this show and watching this dvd obviously as i've been talking throughout it um has meant a lot to me and a lot to a lot of my fandom uh, of this band has been developed through this show. And uh, I really wish that I had watched this because I watched this over the summer, over last summer, because it was sort of my get me into Fenway mode. And we were, it was at the time where we were starting to really develop uh, our ideas for for the podcast and we were into the fantasy league and and i really wanted to watch it because it, it had been a while but before that it had been about five or ten years so a lot a lot of this that i was watching today it um it didn't feel as fresh as it did the last time i saw it um so but which is good because i was able to kind of think and uh um you know write stuff down and and not have to pay attention to every single thing just kind of being in awe of it um but man there are things of the show it's it's not just how good they were it's 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 how they made me feel uh you know back when i I was getting to to really start to love this band it's the love boat captain opener it's green disease and uh trying to find green disease within the albums uh searching for it when I was in college and loving that song and knowing that tune that strikes such a huge chord with me. Um, the Ben Harper appearances, obviously they're fantastic. Uh, Oh God, what else? Um, do the evolution because the stage shaking, because the, you know, 
one of my favorite things from the show, the Iron Maiden. You know, there's so many just memories. They're all memories that I have of this. And I wasn't thinking at the time, like, oh, well, this is not in the right spot. This is, I wouldn't want to hear this. It was just, I was just happy to watch this. And I channeled a lot of my 19, 20 year old self while listening, watching to this. And, um, and it's, and I'm very critical person with just about everything. I don't know if you've listened to my podcast before, but, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty critical person. Um, (laughs) I, I I still, after all this time, have nothing but good, fond, beautiful memories of this show, and um, it doesn't deserve lower than a 10. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the first 10 we have ever given a show. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with all your reasons, um, but yeah, uh, you know. Better Man and uh, Better Man and Low Light, I I hated. So I I yeah, I, I, and I wasn't there. So I I there's no way I could I could possibly give it a ten just for for those I, reasons. Tr- trust me, if for that's the only show that I would give a ten that I wasn't at, and I don't even know if I'd give any show that I was at a ten. I might. Oh yeah, no, we haven't I, gotten to that point yet. I but. yeah, no, well. I don't think we've gotten, not in the show, I don't think we've gotten there in life yet to where we could give uh, a show we were at a 10. Well, I mean, we're getting to the point, uh, once we get really going with all, a lot of these MSG shows, where I guess it was the sixth of the MSG shows, which was my first one. That I'll have to think on that for a while, but I think that there's there could be reasons holding it back, but... Don't want to even discuss that now. Um, yeah, this is the only one that I can give a ten that I haven't attended. Yeah, and I, 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 I can, I can tell you, I can tell you right off the right off the top of my head that I definitely can't give a ten to any of the MSG shows that I've been to. I can give them high ones, but uh, there's always something that's like eh, that could have been better. Nothing's always perfect. Yeah, um, except for this for you. This is perfect for you. Apparently, yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> tens can also have their, you know, their small flaws. Like uh, there, there were small flaws in the show, but they really, to give it a ten, I, I was able to look past them really easily. So, um, a lot of you guys wrote into us because uh, because it, you know, it resonates with everybody. If you were there, if you weren't there, so we have a lot of really good stories. Um, I'm going to try to tell as much as as we can. Uh, you know, we got, we have a little time, but, um, uh, we're going to start off with, uh, Jonathan. Jonathan was, um, was nice enough to send us an email. Emails are always nicer than, than, uh, thread comments, by the way. It's just, I, I'll send you an email back and I'll thank you that kind of stuff. But, uh, I won't necessarily, uh, follow up with you on comments just cause I, I just kind of gloss over them. Yeah. The comic comment threads get so easy to get. Uh, lost in or looked over as well. Hundred percent, yeah. I, I sometimes I can't remember because I post it everywhere, so I can't remember which one came from what place. So, um, 
but this one this one was an email if you email us we're definitely going to get uh to reading your story on the show so this is from jonathan he says i was a lifelong pearl jam fan from alabama i was doing some work in manhattan big city town when these shows took place my coworker promised that he would get us tickets well that didn't happen so when we got done with work for the day, we went straight to Madison Square Garden to see if we can find somebody selling tickets to the sold-out show. And scalping is and was illegal at, uh, in New York City at the time, and we didn't have any luck outside the venue. But there was a ticket window open, just one. And there was one gentleman ahead of me in line. He said that I can go ahead because, quote-unquote, they didn't have anything. I went up to the window and said I will take any ticket at any price, I don't care. And then I backed off my comment at any price. <laughs> the ticket window guy said he had two tickets. I asked how much. $39.95 each. I said, great. <laughs> Where are the seats? I said, you're going to have to name your firstborn child after me. Wow. Because they're in the front row. Oh, my God. How said, does that Bullshit. Happen? Bullshit and walked off. But his very first Pearl Jam show was at the front row, MSG, two hours, got the tickets two hours before the gig. How? I don't know, but sometimes there's just magic in the air. Man. And sometimes he... That's not magic. That is go play the freaking lottery. Yeah. I mean, essentially, he won the lottery already. He just didn't win money. He won seats. So, um, but awesome, awesome, awesome. That was definitely the best of the bunch. Uh, we're going to get to, to Mr. Bogle, uh, or bagel as, as some folks like to call him, Patrick bagel, uh, back when planning tickets for the 2003 touring, I only picked out four dates, two on leg one, two on leg two, and neither of the latter was an MSG show. So he ended up at three shows on leg one and six shows on leg two. That's uh, <laughs> that's nine uh, versus the four that was originally there. So good job, uh, including both nights at the garden. Can't remember exactly when it was, but not far from the show date, some side of stage section seats went on sale. So I grabbed one because the show's all tour had been killer and my job situation had allowed for a bit more spending. Good choice, as it turned out. Hung out for a bit with tape trading friends. Oh, I love that that term, tape trading. Know that in the wrestling world. A little less in the Pearl Jam world, but uh, I get it. Uh, and they were just talking about how fun the tour had been and what shows they were liking the best. Being there, it just felt like everything flowed perfectly. The crowd was buzzing even before the Buzzcocks took an, uh, played a note. Uh, pockets of songs that when you look at them on paper or sit back and watch on the dvd they don't feel like they work in unison at all but it, this night they just did never thought he would happen to catch low light or crown of thorns played for the third and fourth times respectively and this is uh, i mentioned this before uh this was a time where river mirror was really elevated to another level and overall stone was stretching and experimenting with his playing which uh absolutely true we definitely talked about that so the only problem became when i make the path train to newark because even when ledbetter was going there was no way i was leaving because it just felt like they might just say fuck it and play one more it just kept going 12 song encore awesome 
and they still had a few tricks up their sleeve for night night two, which generally gets overshadowed by this show. So, I, I I'm really I'm really fascinated to see what night two has in store because I no one talks about night two. I, the only thing I knew about it was Crazy Mary was the opener. Yes, it was, and so. it's funny because sometimes you you know people say oh. Uh, night two was that was the one, you know, but this was reversed. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it it just happens that way. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I'll I'll take like one or two more from the Facebook boards. Uh, this is from Andrew. Uh, it says this was a fantastic show and it put expectations for night two through the roof. These were two of the biggest fan club allotments in the fans' history: seven thousand for night one and eight thousand for night two. And even when they were massively oversold, which we talked about that before, uh, and ended up adding the PNC, the Hamdel show, uh, to satiate the demand. After night one, this was good and memories still fresh of how great. Uh, night two of '98 had been. Uh, night two was set up to fail, which I don't think. I don't think it failed. Not. I don't think not people say it failed. So. No, that's that's a. I think that's a little overly critical. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, pale in comparison. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it pales, but it doesn't fail. Pales, but not fails. That yeah. that's like. That's a really lackluster catchphrase to use for something. <laughs> it's I don't ever want to use that as a catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe for like a bucket company, pails but not fails. Uh, yeah, yeah, like a really high end. Uh, this bucket here. Yeah, like a, this spa- one, a spackle. This one hell of a bucket. A spackle com- uh, compounds company. <laughs> Uh, All right, I'll read one more. This is a bit of a long one, so if I get lost in it, uh, I apologize. This is from Deborah. Uh, This was the first concert in which an airplane was necessary to attend. I'd flown that afternoon from San Diego with my then other half, and we were supposed to be meeting up with a friend from Philly and a friend from Connecticut. Oh, Connecticut. Yeah. It was my first time in New York City, and she says she's here now, actually. Uh, Go to the grunge exhibit if you're there. I'm going this weekend. If anybody's going on Saturday, which would be tomorrow if you're listening on Friday, then uh, message me. Let's meet up. Um, As we got off the plane and powered up my brick of a cell phone, a call came through from our Philly friend. He took the train in with some people who happened to have three extra tickets for night one, and we needed to head to MSG like now because doors have already opened. We ran to baggage claim, grabbed our shit, got to the subway, and headed for Penn Station. Coming up from the dark subway to the busy, bright city streets, everything in tow, MSG right in front of me. It was the best introduction to New York City I could have asked for. Our Philly friend was across the street. I really, for a second, I just want to pause and say, it sucks that we live so close to the city and we can't, we don't have like this lasting memory of like when our first time in New York City was. Yeah, mine's you know fragmented because it was so long ago. I could, I remember bits and pieces, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I was brought there as a kid, and then after the first time, you know, I was brought there a second time after a second time, and mainly my parents just wanted to go to Zabar's. Oh, Zabar's, that, that, yeah. Yeah, that was my introduction. So 
says our Philly friend was across the street waving our tickets at us and timing could not have been more perfect. The only thing I was a little worried about was what to do with our luggage. We had no choice but to bring it all in. That's difficult. Um, security gave us their judgy eyes, but especially like around that time where everything was being inspected, I'm you know yeah. surprised that they weren't more uh, critical of it. Uh, security gave us their judgy eyes, but were super kind once they understood the story. One man found my Hi8 video camera in my bag and said, don't get caught using that. <laughs> We got to our seats, which our bag sat in, and rocked to this amazing show that we weren't even supposed to be at. It was a beautiful, serendipitous moment, and I'll never forget. And I never did get caught using my Hi8. It felt like a bad—I felt like a badass for having such a great video parts of the show, especially in difference with Ben Harper. And then they went and released an even better quality DVD <laughs> of the show. No complaints, though. Night two was just as magical and more spacious without the luggage. It was the only time the four of us would be in the same place at the same time. Pearl Jam has brought so many people together, however brief it may be. Um, Deborah, if you have this high eight footage, you know, if if you have a way to to get it uploaded, um, let's let's see that. I would love to. I would love to see what what you got there because I, I love high eight stuff so. Let's see it. Check it out. Yeah. Um, all right. I, th- I think that's uh, a lot of people wrote in, and, and I'm sorry I'm not getting to, to everyone, but, you know, uh, I think, you know, uh, Josh, Joshua said that this was a really nice comment I wanted to uh, say during Do the Evolution, but... Um, he says he remembers the room bouncing, but more than that, scanning the crowd and thinking that we were celebrating the end of the world rather than a merely a great moment in a rock show. <laughs> that's, that's a quote. That's fantastic. So thank you everybody for writing in. Even if we didn't get to you, uh, keep writing in and, and keep requesting your shows and, uh, and keep listening to this public service announcement telling you to do the same exact thing. Live on Four Legs is happy to present a weekly podcast dedicated to the Pearl Jam Live experience. While we try to get ourselves to as many shows as possible, we have only attended a small fraction compared to the entire live history. That's why we need your help. We want to get to know who you are. If there's a live show that you've attended that you'd like to see us cover in our program, please send us an email at liveonfourlegs, that's the number four, liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com. We want to know your entire live experience. Did you once miss a flight? Get lucky in the 10 Club Lottery? Catch a white whale? Your stories will help us mold this into the best podcast it could possibly be. You're already getting to know who we are. Now it's time for us to know who you are to reiterate that if you got any shows that you'd like to hear even if uh you don't have a story from them just hit us up on our gmail uh we're open to a lot of stuff we got a little we got a lot of stuff um coming on down the pipe that's going to be more legendary good stuff i think in two weeks we got a really legendary show um that we're gonna mentioned in hint hint at here in a second um but yeah send us your ideas send us your thoughts and uh, we hope you're all enjoying it 
not sure if you guys were uh, hanging out on our Facebook last week, but we released uh, a bracket tournament since that's what all March is about, is doing brackets, and we were trying to determine the best live Pearl Jam song of all time, the best live performance. Uh, and we did so half of the bracket was all songs that we've either covered on our show or we're covering you know within the next couple weeks uh, i think there are only two shows that we haven't covered at this point uh that were on the bracket and then we did one side that was all you know legends legendary stuff pink pop unplugged uh you know showbox just stuff that everybody loves and then the other bracket that was uh, all great covers and collaborations. Uh, so I know I, I was going to open it until April, but I don't want to keep shoving this in for you guys because the people that voted, a lot of you voted, and really appreciate all your votes coming in. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get to the results and uh, drum roll, please. The winner of the first ever live Pearl Jam performance tournament bracket thing is Black Unplugs from 1992 with an overwhelming 22 final votes. I gotta say that's a little disappointing. Why? Uh, 22 people or that that Black Unplugged one? No, that, that Black Unplugged one. Um, I... I don't think it's disappointing. I think to me, it's 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 fairly it's fairly obvious. It's a little obvious. Yeah. Um, you know, I when I voted, Come on, I, people I, think, think outside the box a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was tr- I was trying to pick upsets. We we kind of uh, Baba Baba Farrar helped us uh, do this a little bit, and um, and he helped kind of the seating. And one of the songs I really wanted to pick for either a final four or go really far was that uh, that Vic Theater version of In Hiding. Right. And in like the second or third round, it hit Porch Atlanta, and Porch Atlanta was my winner because how could it not be? Um, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think the final four was Black Unplugged, Porch Atlanta, Immortality, Orpheum, and Crown of Thorns from Vegas. Uh, and then went to Porch versus Black, and Black ended up ultimately winning. But uh, other songs that received a lot of votes, Hunger Strike from Lollapalooza, Black from Berlin in 2010, um, Porch from Pink Pop, Breath from MSG, Long Road from the first MSG, the first song they ever played in MSG. Uh, Not For You from San Jose got, was like 10th place on this list. I don't know how that how that happened. Um, this do the evolution from this show was uh, 12th. Um, I mean, there's just so much good stuff here. That in hiding that I was saying before that that was 17th on this list, so a lot of people agreed with me. Uh, last on this was um, was more due to placement because it was up against uh, Black in the first round. Um, Zurich ninety two. It was once from Zurich ninety two, so that was more due to placement. Um, but second to last on this list is actually from the show that we're doing next week so i think that will segue in nicely um what are we doing next week is a really good question we're doing 
Charlotte 2013. And uh, we're bringing in a, a friend, a spiritual guide, if you will, to help us cover it. Look to the stars. Mr. Baba Farrar. <laughs> well, we'll have to introduce him. We'll have to play the beginning of Baba O'Reilly to introduce yeah. him, right? You need some walk-on music for sure. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. That See, that's what you get when you become a patron. You become a fan of the show and... and just become our friend we'll we'll give you we'll give you an entrance <laughs> like that's the fun part um yep it's a patreon episode um i mean we've said it a billion times uh go on over to our patreon account patreon.com slash live on four legs uh help us donate whatever amount that you want it goes back into the show and you know we'll take it and once we uh start going back on tour here we'll start putting some uh some cool events for you guys come together so uh you know for joining up and and uh and spending a little bit we give you a bootleg from whatever show that we've covered that uh that you want us to to give to you and um and we'll have you come on the show as well and uh and if you if you donate in the five to ten dollar range i'll send you a t-shirt as well because i don't have a lot of those left so um we're gonna have to start making that exclusive uh but yes that's john john is just uh he is he is fan of the show and and uh definitely supporter of the show but not only that um he is our biggest uh uh he will tell us when when we do wrong and we he will tell us when we fuck up which is is fantastic and he's also ready next week for a fight for something I don't know. I don't know what, but I think, I think it's because I don't like infallible. I think we're gonna fight about that. And because I don't like oceans, maybe. Oh yeah, I don't know if that's gonna come up next week, but I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure that'll get brought up. It, it, it's at some point, it's just gonna be become old hat to to argue with you about oceans because you're not changing your mind. No, never gonna change my mind. Uh, it's it's kind of pointless to argue opinions with people too. <laughs> That's why they're opinions. Yeah. Opinions <laughs> are assholes. Everybody has them. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Is that, is that all, is that all the information that we have to, to share with everybody? Yeah. Uh, by the way, that just, immortality that we talked about from the Orpheum show that that's, that's the week after the Orpheum. Oh, right, so, Orpheum, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I just got that vinyl in the mail last week. Yeah, you know, I listened to it so good. I feel bad. I haven't listened to it yet. I, I, uh, I got it, but I haven't had a lot of time recently to just sit down and listen. You know, put put the records on. So maybe next week I'll. That's I still have like a stack of uh, records that I've gotten in the last couple months that I haven't listened to yet, and that's still in it. So it's I'm gonna hit it soon. I just gotta I gotta get there gonna have to catch up because you got record store day coming in a week or two no jeez i'm gonna have even more yeah uh i I have my list for record store day um i'm sure i'm sure i won't get anything that i want i'm sure i'm not going to be online enough time for pearl jam but i i gotta i gotta figure all that stuff out and just hope for the best yeah don't overthink it sometimes it's really not as bad as you think yeah i know i i just want to know when the 10 club is releasing the their version of yeah i mean you're gonna have to either just keep refreshing the store or hopefully (laughs) they'll send out something where they say like you know 10 p.m eastern 
it'll be it's going to go up or something. That I, it's going to be a word of I, mouth thing. I, I know mean, it is. Or it'll be word of mouth. That's true too. Or you're yeah. just going to have to you're going to have to keep refreshing. Yeah, but uh, that's one thing I don't think that we'll be able to help you with on this show. It's it's everybody for themselves on that one. And what sucks so, is uh, good luck. Yeah, what sucks is there's no guarantee of getting that ten club one. So I don't know what time it's going on sale. That means I'm going to have to go and buy the the short record store version, of which it is limited and, to six thousand copies. Ah, uh, that's fine. My 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 guy will probably have about fifteen of them. Yeah, when they say that limited to six thousand, you're 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 not going to have a problem getting it. I'm sure Looney Tunes will have thirty of them. Yeah, uh, I I don't know how much I trust the place that I'm going because I've only been there a couple times. I haven't like yeah. you know made chums with anybody there. Maybe maybe I'll I'll head over there this weekend and and uh, and just say hi and just see Get what they feel. got. Yeah, feel them yeah. out. Yeah, because they're only like twenty minutes from me. So, all right, uh, I think we've hit the end of our show, and uh, this was this was a really good. This was this was as good of a show as. Uh, the show was as the dvd was i think we hit a lot of really positive moments and a lot of really good talking points i am fully expecting to find the dvd like tomorrow when i don't need, <laughs> when i don't need it for research <laughs> and i'm expecting my blu-ray player to work again pretty soon <laughs> exactly so all right uh oh yeah that was the other thing i was going to mention i was going to mention opening day yesterday was opening day technically if you're listening to this on friday so happy opening day everybody um but really we wanted to share and mention opening day because uh um well we're mets Mets fans fans. yeah and uh and of course every opening day um we have to play and hear this and hear everybody mock us with this so we'll just (laughs) mock ourselves we'll just let's just get it out of the way opening day and here's the first pitch and the season's over yep that's how they make us feel but you know what sums it up we signed Degrom to a long-term deal i feel good about that we got to get some healthy catchers in there and uh we gotta get a couple other people healthy but you know run run support we need run support we i really hope that that this is, you know, this year at least we're not starting with like five people on this the disabled list. We're starting with two. Two. <laughs> so that's not horrible. But and I don't even know if they're actually on the disabled list. I just know that like Jed Lowry I I, or Todd Frazier, I don't know if they're playing. But all right, now this is it. <laughs> <laughs> We've reached the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. I miss you always. Matt and Randy here doing this every week for you guys, and I hope you guys are enjoying it. And um, we'll see you next week with Charlotte 2013. Bye. And uh, if it weren't for the Buzzcocks, who knows, we might sound like uh, Good Charlotte or something that sounds like... Oh, they're good. It just sounds like... It sounds like, well... It tastes like a popsicle that's been stuck up somebody's ass, but that's my opinion. Some people are into that. Who am I to say?